Hey y'all, welcome back to a Tuesday, August 9th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. We've got a jam-packed August 9th, 2022 edition here on a Tuesday for you guys here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, thank you, as always, for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this very program. We greatly appreciate it. Got a jam-packed three-parter on today's show. We got uh, NFL with Jarrett Bailey and Evan Swords. We previewed the AFC North. A lot of fun uh, parsing through that uh, division and why it's going to be competitive again uh, in 2022 and uh, what to make the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, and... uh, Bengals going into 2022 so that was a lot of fun we also uh, I also had an opportunity to talk uh, with RK from Denver uh, DNBR sports to talk all things Broncos uh, apologies to Ryan for again not using the last name because I'm very very concerned about uh, mispronunci- uh, mispronouncing it and uh, I would rather not do that so I apologize once again I don't I'm a coward I don't know I don't like doing that um, but either way thank you uh, to RK for coming on uh, to talk all things Denver Broncos the loss of uh, Tim Patrick Jerry Judy Russell Wilson being in the building uh, Melvin Gordon uh, uh, Pat, uh, Peyton and uh, Hackett to this point in uh, their Denver t- uh, timeline. Uh, so it was a lot of fun uh, talking with uh, Ryan about all things Denver Broncos. And then we get uh, Eric Godfrey, head coach of my alma mater, the Partview Panthers, to talk all things Partview this past season. Uh, his QB is getting a lot of good uh, looks, both as a baseball player and as a football player. What uh, his future is. Um, looks like at the next level uh where his program is playing a lot of young guys uh last year and why teams older and there's a lot a lot of reason for optimism uh, back home in Lilburn, georgia for uh coach godfrey's program and what he's building uh with the partview panthers so excited to see what happens this fall um back at the alma mater so a lot of fun uh chatting with everybody on today's edition of the program but uh don't forget folks you can uh watch this very show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chasing Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff uh, over there. So please, please, please check us out on that front. Uh, you can also uh, you can also read me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Wrote a lot of pieces this past week, a lot more on the docket this week. So make sure you're typed in, you type in your email and become a subscriber there, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Uh, as always, you can email this very program. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, mailbag anything like that questions for me any of our hosts chase thomas podcast at gmail.com all right uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right hello and welcome back to a monday night edition here on the chase thomas podcast where i am joined as i am at this time every single week my good friend, Evan Swords. He is alive after emo night. He survived. Evan, good evening, <laughs> sir. How are you? I am well. I am well. How are you? Not too bad. How was emo night? Emo night was fun. It was a, a really like classic Hollywood venue, which I think no matter what type of music you listen to, right? It's always cool to like, you know, be in those Hollywood, like, er, you know, era moments and things like that. You see kind of like where all these special bl- bands have played before. So it was at the Avalon. Um, the 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 DJs that that put on emo night that just mm-hmm. you know just played Coachella. They were doing their thing. It was really cool. Uh, I don't know. I think this might be a little bit 
uh, out of your range. Jarrett, you're probably a little more hard, but do you ever listen to Pierce the Veil? I do like Pierce the Veil, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Vic Fuentes from Pierce the Veil was like the surprise guest, came up and did did the thing and played some music, you know, sang some songs and hung out and it was a blast. Trying to think, um, is I'm I'm gonna pull up my Pierce the Veil, like King for a day. King, okay, yes, I was just making sure. Don't worry, don't worry, brother, I got you. Yeah, (laughs) that other man there, Jared Uh, Bailey of literally every. Website on the internet is where Jarrett Bailey is at because if you go to his Twitter page, I promise you, it's just you're just like, okay, this man's writing and podcasting and doing it for everybody, man. Oh, that's got to stay busy, buddy, especially this time of year. Like, if I was going to own my soul for the next nine months, it's going to be a fun time. A few player interviews coming up for a few different places. So, keep nice. on that. Evan, I'll tease it. One of them's one of your 49ers, so that'll be fun. Um, so yeah, love no. that. Love that. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> it's not Jimmy Garoppolo. I can confirm that. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Jared, uh, Jared's going to write an exciting new piece on whether or not Debo is going to get extended. Ooh. <laughs> or if the extension was – never mind. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, Jared, um, it's exciting to have you back on this podcast because – glad to be do- back. Well, thank you. And it's our AFC North preview. We did the AFC East last week with Mark Schofield. And for the good folks who want to check back that, check back out on that, <clears throat> they can do so here on the podcast and just subscribe, check back from last week, last Monday. But um, we continue on the AFC North, where I think this is another one of those divisions when I was outlining and thinking about it for uh, this show tonight. I think it could go a lot of different ways. I think there's only one team that I just don't think there is a path to them winning the AFC North this year. And we'll get to them uh, last uh, for a lot of reasons. But I want to start with the team that actually won the division this past year, went to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is just having a blast in training camp. He's uh, doing sprints on his uh on his little scooter uh, up and down with the players, just endearing himself, not only to the players, but also uh, just NFL Twitter as a whole. We all, we all stand uh, Joe Burrow in the Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert debate uh, as this podcast has uh, made very clear over the years. Um, I want to start here though. Evan with that face, I got a, I got a thing for you when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals in 2023. I thought this was interesting. I went back and looked, and Burrow actually led the NFL in yards per attempt last year. And a lot of that was Jamar Chase and what they were able to do downfield, and that connection was strong. Jamar Chase is back, year two for him. But I'm curious if he does it again, and we just know with explosive plays and how important they are into the modern game that like, if that is just a staple of Joe Burrow's game, just the yards per attempt and everything else – that if the downfield stuff's there, if Joe Mixon is the same dude, they don't miss CJ Ozama all that much. Are they being slept on in the AFC where it's just like, oh, they lost in the Super Bowl this past year. They're not getting back. They're going to take a step back. But it's like if Chipper is healthy and they still have that deep connection, they still have the strong run game, and Jonah Williams is awesome at left tackle, why are they not the favorites to repeat as champs? What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I mean – First and foremost, as everyone knows, other than Chase, uh, Justin Herbert is the better quarterback between the two. And I will say that's saying something because Joe Burrow is a, is a damn good quarterback. He played fantastic last year. There is a reason that they were in the Super Bowl. It, a lot of it had to do with him and uh, his buddy. 
the receiver that they drafted as well. So what I would say is this, when you watch the Bengals offense last year, it was exciting seeing, you know, Jamar Chase. It was exciting watching uh, Joe Burrow be, you know, just really explosive yards after the catch plays. But the one thing that really hurt them was their offensive line, right? That was the big thing. We don't really need to talk about much when it comes to the Bengals. What was the offensive line was the biggest thing they struggled with, right? And then in the offseason, you know, they signed former New England Patriots uh, offensive lineman Ted Cars. I don't know if that's going to be a huge a uh, difference maker by any means, but where where that might be good or might not, uh, it is not the same answer when they signed Lael Collins uh, mm-hmm. from the Dallas Cowboys. Lael Collins is a fantastic offensive lineman and absolutely the kind of like stability and foundation they need to give Joe Burrow some time to throw. When you take a team that was in the Super Bowl with, Joe Burrow, effectively a rookie quarterback coming off an ACL injury his rookie year. Uh, they they have offensive line issues. They bring in a very good offensive lineman. They bring in some more help. You know, I, I don't see them having any issue having anyone compete. Maybe the Ravens uh, for, for the AFC East uh, championship again. What do you think, Jarrett? Yeah, no, you know, you see what Joe Burrow did last year. You see what they were able to accomplish when he didn't have time. And then they just bought an offensive line to put in front of him. Like, if he's got time to throw, I think Joe Burrow could be a sleeper MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They had Karras, they had Alex Kappa, they signed Lyle Collins. Uh, talked about CJ Uzama. I think that they got a little bit of, of an upgrade with Hayden Hurst. I think huh. that he's going to surprise some people. You remember, he was a first-round pick with Baltimore, the same year that they drafted Mark Andrews. Obviously, Mark Andrews... It was a little bit better. They decided to move forward with Andrews, traded Hurst to Atlanta. Atlanta, but Hurst was good. Uh, Very serviceable. What? Very serviceable. He did a good they, job that, in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't he have was, taken him I he wouldn't was, say – I don't know if it was a fit is what I'll say. Yeah. Um, I think that he fits more in uh, a style that was in Baltimore where they rely more on the tight ends. Cincinnati mm-hmm. relied a decent amount on C.J. Uzama. I think that having him go over um, to Cincinnati where he can – I think we'll see a little bit of the old Hayden Hurst from Baltimore uh, hmm. in Cincinnati. So I'm excited to see that. And then defensively, I mean, Jesse Bates and Von Bell are still there. Uh, Mike Hilton, a good slot corner. We can make all the memes that we want about Eli Apple. But, you know, you look at their front seven as well. Like um, Logan Wilson had a very good year. Trey Hendrickson turned out to be one of the best signs of the offseason. So, I mean, they're bringing back basically all of their pieces that help them get to a Super Bowl. Um, I do think that the reason that people aren't talking about them as much is – you know, they were kind of up and down for the majority of the year until, you know, the final you know, five games of the year where they just kind of turned up the heat. They beat Kansas City. They beat Kansas City twice, which is mm-hmm. impressive. They beat Tennessee uh, in the playoff game after Joe Burrow got sacked 100 times. Um, and Ryan Sandhill and the offense just more or less threw the game away. Um, so I think that, you know, it did take a little bit of luck. It was a nice little magic carpet ride for Cincinnati to get to the Super Bowl. But it's not as if they, you know, when they showed up, it, they looked like they belonged there. Um, so uh, I think that they are being slept on a little bit. I, I like Buffalo better. I think the Buffalo is the best team in football. Um, mm. but it would not surprise me if we get, you know, Buffalo Cincinnati in the AFC championship game again, or, uh, Cincinnati in the AFC championship game again against a team like Buffalo. So, but yeah, I, I think that Cincinnati wins the division. Um, like you said, there are, you know, perhaps a Baltimore could, uh, surprise people with being healthy again. I mean, they're decimated last year. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if Baltimore 
puts everything together. Uh, but if I had to pick, I would say Cincinnati. And we, yeah. we got to say the, the one thing I do want to say that I forgot to mention when you have a, a team that effectively got you to the Super Bowl with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, the offense really was the lightning that that got you to the Super Bowl. I love that you go and you take a safety and a cornerback in your draft. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like first two off the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love that. I like, I love that. You're like, we know we're good here. So let's make sure we're good defensively. So. I agree. And I also, I just think it's so fascinating because like the way people talk about Baltimore and we'll get to them next, but like the Steelers finished second in this division last year, like all the hoopla about this division and uh, what the, this, the Browns and the Ravens, like the Steelers were still nine, seven and one last year. And this division was only separated by two games uh, from first to fourth, which is pretty wild. Like this is a very, very competitive, even division last year. And I think ultimately the thing about Cincinnati that I just, it all is going to come down to Joe Burrow sacks. Like he was second in the league in sacks last year. And if the offensive line were Jared, as you said, they, they, they spent a lot of money addressing the offensive line. They didn't get any A's. They didn't get the Taron Armstead types, but they got a lot of B's and a lot of C's. Like you just need to get the B's and C's in there to supplement the general Williams, of the world that you have invested in. And Lael Collins, let's hope is uh, a, turns out to be a great signing for them and a good fit. But like, Ultimately, you can you just can't be there. If you're in that zone, and get Joe Burrow's going to continue to get hurt. Like he's just going to continue to get killed, and then that changes their entire future. And I mean, he's already gone through multiple serious injuries. And I mean, even at the end of that Rams game and what he was dealing with, it's like, man, <laughs> Joe Burrow, that's not sustainable. What that was last year is not sustainable. And I think uh, they have to run the ball better. They have to uh, have another guy outside of Joe Mixon, just the way football's played. Like, you can't just rely on Joe Mixon to do everything. Um, and we'll see if someone uh, elevates on that uh, in that area for them. But I think Cincinnati should be the favorite going into uh, this season with the FC North, if Joe Burrow is healthy as the, as the big thing. Um, next up, the Baltimore Ravens I have here. So uh, I think it's interesting because J.K. Dobbins is cleared. And J.K. Dobbins, it looks like, is going to be a healthy, fingers crossed, contributor for Baltimore this upcoming season. I think that's huge. Jarrett, when you saw J.K. Dobbins was healthy and you talk about Baltimore getting decimated by injuries last year, how much does a healthy J.K. Dobbins affect what the Ravens can be in 2022? Yeah, I mean, this is an offense that's going to be it's going to be similar to what it has been since Lamar took over as a start. It's going to run through the run game and Mark Andrews in the pass game. Because let me name you the receivers for the Baltimore Ravens. It's Rashad Bateman, who's going to be their number one. Uh, after that, uh, let's see, Devin DuVernay, mm-hmm. James Proche, anybody? Mm-hmm. Tyron Wallace, who was another draft pick last year. Jalen Moore, Shamar Bridges. Like, who the hell? Who's Lamar going to throw to? Yeah. That's the big thing. So that's the only thing that keeps me a little bit questionable. Mark, Mark, Mark Andrews. Oh, outside of Mark Andrews is what I'm saying. Like, yes, Mark Andrews is fantastic. None of his receivers have proven anything. We can all talk about potential with Rashad Bateman, but potential is just a fancy way of saying hasn't accomplished anything yet. Hold on. Tiff County legend, uh, South Georgia, my guy, Rashad Bateman. Tiff County like Blue Rashad Bateman. Like, look, big, I'm a Big Ten guy. He tore it up in Minnesota and everything. I like Rashad yeah. Bateman, but he hasn't proven anything. And if we've seen anything with that offense is that receivers don't have success. Mm. So like, that's only holding me back on Baltimore is, is the passing game. Now look, 
their defense, I'm excited about their defense. As a Steel fan, I'm not excited, but like as a football fan, like you get Lattimore back, you get um, you sign Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters is coming back from injury, you draft Kyle Hamilton. For everybody like mocking Kyle Hamilton about a one-on-one drill in training camp, in his first NFL training camp at a position that he doesn't play, he plays safety. He's not a you know man-to-man corner. Shut up, mm. he's going to be fine. Um, so yeah, I'm, their defense is going to be fun to watch, even even with Wink Martindale going to to the Giants. Um, Personnel-wise, they're still very good. Um, offensive line-wise, they draft Lin- Tyler Linderbaum. Like this, that just felt like a very Baltimore Ravens very good draft as they usually do. So, um, with Lamar, you know, kind of playing for an extension, unless they get one done before, we'll see what happens with that. By the way, um, but yeah, the only thing that I worry about with Baltimore is outside of Mark. Like, God forbid something happened to Mark Andrews. Who in God's name is Lamar going to throw? He like, I know I am labeled on Twitter as a guy who doesn't like Lamar Jackson, but he can't do it by himself. And he's gotten progressively better as a passer since he entered the league. But again, when, when he's throwing to Evan Swords and I, it's, you're not going to, not going to get too far. So, you know, you know, you know, know I, you know, very much so that I fit under the sneaky athletic lunch pail kind Bill of guy, right? I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, I'm there you would have every been. day. Evan's a special teams guy. Like he's I'm got there. some, yeah, he's going to tear it up on special teams. He's getting the guys hyped. He's, he's doing good punt coverage. I could see that. I could see you being a good. Uh, I'm gunning. I'm, I'm yeah, you're a gunner. feel real fast. Yes. I'm hitting someone. In but the you're mouth. also terrifying. Like you're someone you don't want to see coming down the field. Like you're someone I would hate to see on a kickoff return. Because I'm screaming for no yes. reason. <laughs> Absolutely just screaming. Like, and it's, it's not like a normal, like I'm like screaming, I'm yodeling, coming, I'm coming down at you yodeling. Like, yeah, there's some like, yeah, I wouldn't. I give wouldn't me, that. give me about four months, and I'll look like Gardner Minshew. That's right, that's right. that's what we'll go for. There you go. And I also learned this week that Gardner is uh is from Mississippi. I didn't realize he was a Mississippi guy. Uh, he looks like the walking embodiment of Mississippi. Does yeah, he? He, does. he yeah, gave he me a California vibe. Like he always no, was a California no. vibe. He went to Washington State. <laughs> Hold on, no. I am from the South. As a Southern man, I did not get a strong Southern vibe from Gardner. Well, Minshew. let me put it. Let me just say this: the reason yeah. why I'd say is because uh, I have a blind spot like here a, for him. Apparently, there's like a toughness that yeah. Minshew has that you just don't like. The Cali guy that you're probably thinking of, the surfer yeah. vibe. Like you're not getting that type of toughness, right? Like that's like Jared Goff, right? Like. Hmm. Can he take a hit? Sure, but he's not going to go out and chop a tree down. Right? Gardner Minshew is chopping a tree down. Gardner Minshew said that in preparation for going into a training camp battle last year with Trevor Lawrence, that he didn't take a dump for a week because number two isn't an option. If that right. isn't, if that isn't Southern, is that a real quote. That's yeah. A real quote. Oh yeah, that's real. That's Look very that real. Yeah, that's very uh, real. I respect it. Um, yeah. As someone who did that at camp, uh, Boy Scout camp, my first summer at Boy <laughs> Scout camp. <laughs> I kid you not, Camp Rainy Mountain. I was 13 years old. I uh, did not want to go. I was not a big Boy Scout guy. And uh, the latrine situation was pretty pretty dire. Yeah, and I, I was I like, imagine. I can make it to Saturday. So I just stopped eating by the middle of the week. So you went like a full calendar week without any I went from Sunday afternoon to Saturday morning. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's uh, not something I was expecting to talk about <laughs> tonight, but let's go ahead and move forward and uh, journey on into the next topic. 
Well, I did have another question for you, uh, Evan. When you look at Baltimore's schedule, though, and you think about where things could go awry or where you're like, okay, this at this point we'll know because I think Baltimore is so interesting because like I either see them as the boomer bus team where it's like they're either going to be last like last year or I think they win this division. Like I don't see right. a middle of the road type year. And you look at it and I was diving into some stuff where I'm like – Part of it had to do with Lamar's running. Like he ran for a thousand yards two years ago. They obviously had that great playoff game against uh, Tennessee where he just lit up Tennessee on the road uh, in that playoff game and shocked uh, Nashville. But like the one we saw last year, I mean, he's thrown 40 times a game. He's not running nearly as much. And you're like, we, we talk about Lamar can't do it all himself. But I think the MVP, the best version of Baltimore is Lamar doing it all by himself and the, like everything running through Lamar and Lamar running for a thousand yards is actually kind of what you need to be right. the best team in the right. AFC to push Josh Allen, to push Patrick Mahomes is where like he's firing on all center and he's not throwing the ball 43 times and completing 60% of his passes that he was doing my, down the stretch. My counter argument for that is that we've seen that with this style of offense before in multiple places and it works for a couple years, maybe yep. a year or two. We've seen it with, you know, Colin Kaepernick. So with guys like RG three and then it watch, never, watch, watch your mouth. And it's not as we haven't seen an example of where it's sustainable long term is my argument for. Now, but it could, can get to a Super Bowl. Like Kaepernick got to a Super Bowl. That's the whole thing. It's like I don't think it's sustainable anyway. Like I think Lamar Kaepernick is not gonna a, I think that 49ers team was more talented than this Baltimore team, though. Hmm. They they were staff well, all over the field. Their defense significantly better. But so here's the thing that I wanted to talk about. I, yeah. and, and I think it's a good segue to it. Uh when we talk about who is Lamar Jackson going to throw to, we have to remember who the offensive coordinator is, right? This is Greg Roman. And you mentioned mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, right? This is the same offensive coordinator. What are you going to get? A really strong run game, lots of tight end passes. Uh, you know, the receivers really aren't going to eat. Well, hey, guess what? They don't have the most exciting receiving core. Like, so it, it actually kind of fit, works out in their favor. Um, at the end of the day, that's just not what this, you know, Ravens offense is going to be. I think what we're looking at is we're looking at a team that is going to be very talented on defense, right? They, they just absolutely are. Um, we're going to see Mark Andrew probably have one of the better tight end seasons that we've seen in a long time. Uh, if he stays healthy, which is saying something too, because we've mm-hmm. had some really good tight end seasons the last few years. Um, but like, I'm hoping that we see a step forward from Lamar in passing because mm. I think fair or unfair, his passing, his his talent as a quarterback, not runner, uh, has been very criticized, right? You know, like I don't think that Lamar Jackson is gets gets credit, whether it is deserved or not, for someone that won an MVP at, at the quarterback position. And so I hope to see him taking that kind of even – you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems crazy to say take a step forward when you threw as many touchdowns as Lamar Jackson has thrown. Um, but, you know, to be maybe that pure passer that that I think maybe Twitter wants to see him become only because, one, he is a fantastic quarterback. He's a fantastic athlete. And he seems like a really great guy. So I'll be rooting him for him in that aspect. But you're going to get a strong running game. You're going to get a lot of tight end work. And you're going to get a really good defense. And that's the Greg Roman recipe. So I don't need a receiver to go for, you know, 1,500 yards this season. It's just not not the need. 
Let me uh, let me cap, uh, respond to what you just said real quick yeah. about the MVP thing, and somebody's going to clip this and just say how much I hate Lamar Jackson. It's not the there case. is nothing Twitter likes more than just dunking on Jarrett Bailey. That is true. That's very <laughs> true. Um, I will say this though, I get that he won an MVP and he was fantastic that year. However, it was three years ago. Like, how long are we going to keep bringing up unanimous MVP? Unanimous MVP, like. They did that for John Gruden with a Super Bowl for God knows how long. He won the damn thing in 2003. People in 2015 saying, ah, oh, John Gruden won a Super Bowl. He can do it. Like, guys, it was a long time ago. But and I think the difference is, though, is Lamar's continued to play at a high level. I don't think did he that he like, Last year's sports, outside of the Colts game, he threw 12 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. Like, that's right. not a high level. Yeah. Right. I, I would I would agree that's not a high level. But I'm saying, like, if you look at the last, you know, the two years following since then, like, when I watch Lamar play, I still see that talent there. Did he like showcase it? Yes. Like it's very evident that he's a very talented football player. And that's the difference. Like, Gruden for the Bucks, to your point, he won that Super Bowl and never was able to compete sure. ever again. Yeah. Right. And I, I think I can still see it in Lamar. The thing with Lamar too is that like this progression has not been linear. It's been very like mm-hmm. very what's the word I'm looking for? Up and down. That's <laughs> Mercurial. Yeah, let's see. There we go. A new chase would come up with a fun word. You and um, your books, you nerd. <laughs> so that is, I mean, look, can he take that step forward as a passer? Sure. Like we've seen him, you know, take those steps. Like from where he was as a rookie to where he is now, I mean, he is a better passer. Um, yeah. Is he ever going to be the likes of Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burton? I don't think so. Um, does he necessarily have to be? No, but I do think that we need to see a little bit better. Um, especially for Baltimore to have, you know, I just think the clock's ticking. Like he's got really, really lucky with the injury stuff. Like he, it, I just, I don't want to predict injuries and I don't wish injuries, but it's just his style. We've just seen it. Like part of what makes him great is he has to put himself in harm's way a lot. He just has to, he has to be a runner. He has to use that kind of stuff because he bends defenses. He is such a pain in the butt when he is running the football and he is that dual threat guy. But Eventually, that comes at a cost. Eventually, with his size and his frame, like this will not last forever. Especially when it seemed like like Cam Newton got torn up a lot, and Cam yep. Newton a lot bigger than the Lamar right. Jackson is. Yes. Now Lamar Jackson's better than Cam Newton. Don't get me that's a different debate yeah, for a yeah, different yeah. time. But uh, the yeah. fact that yeah, he's it, got more of a RG three frame, like prime, he's prime, like, prime like, he's a smaller guy. But mm-hmm. yeah. here's the one thing I want to say to your point that is very accurate that he had a pretty mediocre season overall. I'm biased, but Greg Roman sucks. <laughs> like Greg Roman sucks. I feel like, like this is an annual segment. Greg Roman sucks. Like, let me hear it right here. Mm-hmm. Greg Roman sucks. And mm-hmm. so, but, but, but my point with that is like every time Greg Roman, and now we've had very two, like very strong, case studies right mm-hmm. he gets an athletic mobile quarterback he focuses heavily on the run game the passing like he'll have like you know cap was a very exciting passer at times and then it just kind of tailed off because they just didn't use it correctly and i and here we are again lamar i mean the first thing that i said when greg roman was the offensive coordinator for lamar jackson was get rid of greg roman as fast as possible he will ruin lamar jackson and and I think it's the same thing. I mean, if you like parallel the the cap years at his peak and then the downturn with Lamar, like, I mean, if you're looking for common denominators, right? It's Greg Roman. So mm-hmm. I don't know if Lamar will ever get back to the MVP season that he had. 
but I know for a fact it won't happen if Greg Roman stays. Do you think um, a few weeks ago, you know, the ESPN collective exec poll came out and they didn't put him in the top 10? I have him at 11. Would you put him in the top 10? You know, I will say this, that the problem with that question is that eight to 12 is really hard. You could put you could genuinely put those in just about any order and you wouldn't hear too much argument. And that's but that's the thing, like. If you're looking at the NFL top 10, well, let's go ahead. Let's pull it up right now. And I think sure. we'll get the article that was specifically, I think this was it. Um, right. But my big issue is like, one, Matt Stafford is such a weird person in, in that, like, you want to put him in the top 10, oh but were you putting him in the top 10 when he was in Detroit? I was putting him in like the top 12. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But now he's like top five because of Sean McVay. And that offense and what he did and winning a Super Bowl. Hmm. And so, like, there's a lot of things. And on the other side of the spectrum, like the inverse of that, Russell Wilson, normally you'd be like top three, right? But, like, there's a lot of unknown now. And he played kind of pretty bad and then he was injured. And, and like, the, the, the Seahawks are terrible. So, like, for me, when you look at the top ten, there's so many, like, weird little variables like that that, like, it gets kind of difficult. Also, Tom Brady's not a – I mean, is he going to be a top 10 QB this year? I think he'll be at, a top 10, absolutely. At 45 years old? I think he'd be top – I think he's top he 5 this year. There's so many weapons. Let me say this. Yeah. I'm not saying definitively that Tom Brady will not be a top 10 – but I'm saying those are the types of things when you're making a top 10 list for 2022 where I just mm-hmm. don't think it's as definitive, right? Yeah. Patrick, you got Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Uh, I mean, look, Joey Burrow is Burrow – Yes, he's a top 10. Yeah, hell, healthy Burroughs in the yes. top 10, yeah. Right? Okay, but so, okay, so Mahomes, uh, Rodgers, Herbert, Allen, uh, Burrow, who else do we want to go, like? I, I would throw Brady, I would maybe? throw Brady, Brady. Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. Ooh, I don't what know about, if I throw Dak there. I don't think I'd I would Dak. put Dak. I would put Dak at 10. I, I have him at 10. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, like, are we going to even, like, put him in a top 10? That fucking mm, I'm not like, breathing that scumbag. Yeah, right, yeah. that's my point. I think I think personally, I do think Lamar, Lamar is in the top ten. By the way, I think, I think yeah. I want to I want to put Lamar above Dak, but I don't know that many people would agree with me. I would, I would put Lamar above Dak. I would not. I I think only one thing, of those two quarterbacks will ever have an MVP in the NFL. But that's my point, though, is that like Dak has a very here's like, the th- can, I, can I counter system. that real quick? Swords can yeah. I counter that? Drew Brees never yeah. won an MVP, and I promise that's he true. will always be better. Russell Wilson's never got an MVP vote, and he will. Let's, That's true. See, this is where MVP conversation pisses me off. Damn. No, but 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 also like, was also there are seasons that you can point to Drew yeah. Brees and go, he should have won it. Mm-hmm. Has Dak had a season where you're like, oh, he should have won true. it? The thing, the thing with Dak though is that he he still got one, well, still a very young career. Like he still got a long way to go. Um, and it's always. But do you ever first, see a scenario where he's the one or t- number one, number two best quarterback in football that year, or he has the, a season where he is number one, number two, and the Cowboys are number one in the NFL? No, I don't think so. Um, but I mean, what what he did last year? I mean, thirty seven touchdowns, ten picks. I like Dak. I, I just like don't. Dak a lot. I just think ceiling Dak versus ceiling Lamar. It's still Lamar. I think uh, from one I, season. I think, I think from a passing perspective, Dak eclipses Lamar in terms of. But you can't do that with just Lamar. That's not. You can't do that. Why not? Why can't? Because Lamar is a full player. Like you have to take into account everything that he does in the football field, right? Well, yeah. like you have Dak's to- mobile too. He makes plays with his feet. Eh, not like that. Not like Lamar. I, no. Here's the thing: I don't need my quarterback to run for 
1,200 yards. I wanted to throw the damn ball with Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Yes, of course. I don't think either are wrong, but if you yeah. had to like, if you had to just pick one to go get you, I just, I, I that would be a fun exercise there around the league is just polling, a, like anonymous polling of like, if you just have one game with uh, just the Bills I roster. would bet you my life, if you could, if you said, all right, peak yeah. any quarterback, any game, if you could have peak Patrick Mahomes or peak Lamar Jackson, 31 out of 32. Oh, yeah, Mahomes for sure. But we're saying Dak or Lamar. Here's here's a good example to your guys' point. Mm. I do think there's plenty of of head coaches that are going to be like, I would rather my quarterback throw. Right. Sure. Right. Kyle Shanahan, what do you think he says? Because I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan would rather have Lamar Jackson than Kirk Cousins. And he loves Mm. Kirk Cousins. Because – Kyle Shanahan is not is the guy that's going like Debo Samuel. What can I do with this talent? So Jared, you're not wrong. You'd be, oh, I would like someone that could throw the ball. Mm. It's a very fair, safe thing to say. But there are head coaches in the world that can use Lamar much better than they could use Dak Prescott. I believe Maybe. that wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you, like if Dak Prescott. And if you like put either Dak or Lamar into Kyle Shanahan's system, but that's what I, go I feel like system fits are definitely a thing. Like, would yeah. I be more afraid of the 49ers if they had Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott? Lamar Jackson, because Kyle Shanahan would use Lamar Jackson in a variety of ways. They would both be terrifying, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Uh, we'll see, though. Well, who might not be terrifying, at least right away, is Kenny Pickett and. Uh, in Pittsburgh, the guy who might be terrifying is uh, George Pickens, who I've watched a lot of in my SEC watching. That's the only thing keeping me going right now. <laughs> George Pickens, man. Well, yeah, the Trubisky stuff out of camp, not not the best. Um, seems like. Uh, what do you think? Does Pickett start Week One at this point? Does it feel like? So you don't think there's any chance he starts Week One? I think that's not the right question. I would be I, very I the, surprised if he here's the, here's the right question, Jarrett. You yeah. poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> what has it been like watching this QB competition as a whole? You know, it has been. I would. If and I actually, go, you know what? I don't want to interrupt you, but my God, I just remembered I need to. Do you remember what you were saying about Mitch Trubisky on this podcast, sir? Do you still think those things? Look, it is. Let's get to the end. Let's get through at least one or two crazy mm-hmm. okay? Let me see what he looks like. Like, I'm going to the game this week. Like, I'll mm-hmm. be there. I'll be able to see it in person, see what he's going to look like. Let's get through that. We'll revisit it. But, yes, there was a stretch and a drill and red zone drill where he went 0 for 16. That's impressive. Like, that, that, it that shouldn't even be possible. I should – I can't even palm a regular <laughs> no. football. I should be able to, like, two-arm it. I feel like I can – are you saying Paul Morales has to I'm not going to lie. I have the exact same high, uh, hand size as Kyler Murray, and I cannot throw. I don't know. I've how got big hands, too. Yeah, I've got very yeah. small But and back to the Trubisky thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, and can't, yeah. Now, th- a lot of people threw in the caveat that, okay, Deontay Johnson wasn't out there for for those two days. Chase Claypool wasn't really doing much of anything. But over 16, man, and in, in, in training camp, like, that is saying something. Now, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get blown away and like make a decision on how I think the Steelers are going to do through camp because how many times have we seen training camp darlings turn out to be horrible and then training camp quote unquote big stories turn out to be like remember last year when we thought Jamar Chase couldn't catch the Swords uh, and I yeah. talked about this he couldn't see the stripes without the white stripes mm-hmm. you know and then it he turned out to be fine so let's see some preseason games let's see what they look like against other teams let's see how it goes um, uh, no. 
In terms of Kenny Pickett, I would be incredibly shocked if he starts week one. Hmm. Now, in terms of like the leash that Mitch Trubisky will have, um, I think that that is something that we could pay attention to. Like, let me pull up the Steelers schedule actually right now, just so I can maybe put a, a time stamp on when we can see him. Mm-hmm. So let's say now I do think that the Steelers start off relatively good because their schedule isn't that bad. Now they start off against Cincinnati. They're losing that game. They will start off 0-1. Home opener though against New England. I think that they beat New England. They're, they're mm-hmm. going to lose that game. They're not going to lose. They're going. They're absolutely going to lose. They're absolutely not going to lose. A hundred percent. They're not beating. There's no. Bill Belichick. Name five players on the Patriots roster. I don't need to (laughs) name Bill Belichick. They won with him throwing one pass last year. Do you let me? I'm I'm serious. It's Bill Belichick. Do you really think he just went seven and nine two years ago? Swords. That means nothing to me. He went went seven and nine when he literally in rehaul like uphauled his entire team. They then went on to spend the most in free agency. They on, had no, a on of, absolutely nobody. They, they overpaid were, in free agency is what they did. My point is this: Do you confidently believe that Bill Belichick will lose to Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett? Yes. Because I don't believe in Mac Jones and I don't believe in the Patriots offense, especially they're like. Can we, can we do like a white defense, shotgun bet on that? Defensively, defensively, outside of Matt Judon, the Patriots defense isn't even good anymore. Look at their personnel. Look at like th- this is what Bill Belichick has done best for his career. They're not good on paper. Not to mention they don't have an offensive coordinator right now. Reports out of New England today saying that Mac Jones look, Mac Jones looks rough. Like, what do I? Why would I be afraid of like? If it was Tom Brady rolling in there with Bill Belichick, yes, because they had the Steelers number. Mac Jones, I'm not worried about Mac Jones. Absolutely, I think the Steelers win that home opener, especially because their defense is very good. This so, is what happened when you have a Steelers team that has consistently overplayed their their talent level. They they have won games. They've had an inflated record when they were much worse of a team than the record indicated. They were. You, they were not. They were not a nine seven and one team last year. Right, and <laughs> yeah, and this is what happens. When when that when that is the outcome, because there is nothing the Steelers can do to beat mid to high level NFL teams this year. Sir, dude, the only thing on the Steelers roster that is remotely a question mark right now is the quarterback position. I don't know. I might say if Najee Harris averages more than three yards to carry. The offensive line did get better. They brought in James Daniels from Chicago, Mason Cole from Minnesota, like bunch of reports saying that their offensive line looks much better. It's, I'm, you're, oh, hey, I, will give, listen, I will give you this. Bad quarterbacks can win NFL games with a strong team. Mid, mid-level quarterbacks can have won Super Bowls with a strong team. Yeah. But we're not talking about any of those people. We are talking about Mitch Trubisky. He is so bad. And Kenny Pickett is not some unanimous first round quarterback. He's a guy that might need three years just oh, to. You're not going to hear me defend Kenny Pickett. I'm not going to. But, but, but I'm, I'm only using the Kenny Pickett just to put it Hold out. Hold on. There Kenny Pickett's playing season. like week three, Evan. No, this man is playing. I, no. This man's playing. Can I keep going through the dogs, schedule? Oh, CJ yes. Beathard played. It does not mean that he should have. My point is that. Mitch I don't know. Trubisky, I think Kenny Pickett's going to be fine. Mitch Trubisky loses mm-hmm. football games in spite of a good team. Go ask the Bears. So they're going to beat New England week two, and then they will go to Cleveland week three with Jacoby Brissett, a place that the Steelers have notoriously won. Um, I think they beat Cleveland the first time. So mm-hmm. two and one. They play the Jets week four. Mike Tomlin is notoriously bad against the Jets. I think the Jets mm-hmm. beat them week four. Then they go to Buffalo. They're going to lose that. 
and then they play Tampa Bay. I think they lose that. So they'll be two and four after week six. This is when I think we could see this little window right here. They go to Miami, to Philadelphia. I think minimum they win one of those. They've been good against Miami. I'm not worried about Miami. I think Philadelphia is overrated too. It wouldn't shock me if they won both of them. Probably not good enough a quarterback play to win both of them though. So if they're like three and five going into a week nine bye, coming out of the bye at home against New Orleans, I think that's when we could see Kenny Pickett. I think mm. the earliest we'll see Kenny Pickett is week 10. If if they're three and five coming but out see, of the bye. But see, like that's if like you're still counting on Trubisky to win some important games there. And I just, I don't. I th- look, can I pull up? Look, look, wins are not a quarterback stat. I get that. Can yeah. I pull up Mitch Trubisky's record and show you what it is? Because he's got a top five win-loss record since he entered the league. That's fine. You could, I mean, dog, if you want to rest on those, Everybody, rooms, you do it. Because your argument is that Mitch Trubisky constantly loses game when that is factually not well, true. No, no, no. What we're saying is this, just that's Mitch Trubisky a couple years ago. We have not seen Mitch Trubisky play quarterback. There's a reason that the Chicago Bears moved on and that whole staff is out the building. And it's because Mitch Can Trubisky was not the Can we make the argument, though, that maybe Mitch Trubisky was a victim to Matt Nagy? I don't know. And that a rehab year with Brian Dable and Sean McDermott and Josh Allen in Buffalo could help him get a little bit better or at least be what he was like a little bit less of what he was in 2018. I mean, the best case scenario is like a Sam Bradford type situation for him. I'll take a Sam Bradford type situation this year. Yeah. Um, Sam Bradford with like the Rams. What universe are you living in? Sam Bradford with like the Rams. A little bit. The Steelers can win games with that. We were talking about Mitch Trubisky like this before camp. And I looked at you guys all and I was like, no, he's terrible. And you're like, he's athletic. And then he's oh for 16. And I go, I told you. And you guys go, "Eh, no, he sucks. It's camp sports. Let me see what he does in preseason, and then we'll talk. Uh, I'm not going to – like I said, I'm not going to write him off. And, and by the way, Steelers fans are going to go absolutely nuts. Oh, yeah. No, here's the thing. Mitch Trubisky throws two interceptions. And that's those. why, for the large part, Steelers fans are the most annoying on the planet because everybody has such – I don't know if you're going to have to bleep this out. All these Steelers fans that are also Pitt fans have such a boner for Kenny Pickett. <laughs> And I think Bo- most- first off, I think boner is perfectly fine to say. Okay, you could say boner as many times as needed. Like boner right. is really—it's kind of a fun word. I mean, being honest, it was a character really on play- Growing Pains. It's really playful, right? They're <laughs> gonna have yeah. So back to your point about boners. What a good as soon as Mitch Trubisky throws one poor pass, all these Pitt fans that are also Steeler fans are in the crowd and they're like, "Put in Pickett!" As they walk around in their jean shorts, their dusty Cordell Stewart jerseys, and their Air Monarchs. Played at Pitt. I even more now say that. Yeah, you're right. Here's the thing: the Steelers are one of the best run organizations in sports. There is no small part of me that absolutely believes that if Kenny Pickett didn't play at Pitt, they wouldn't have drafted him. I wholeheartedly believe that, and it is what it is. Um, I'll get off my soapbox about Kenny Pickett. But yes. I will say this, by the way. Does it feel like God or whatever like entity in the earth, like the NFL gods, the universe that be? It's just like you keep hearing like Mike Tomlin always has a winning record and everyone's just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we'll see this time. It's like, I still we, think we've been really, record, like we, it's like someone has it out for Mike Tomlin. They're like, oh, yeah, like. I feel bad for him. I really do. I genuinely me, feel bad for him. Let me just say this. This team that they currently have is better than the team they had in 2019 when Ben was gone for the year and they still finished 500. I wholeheartedly believe. And look, the, the rest of their schedule, 
like the front half of their schedule is the toughest part. Second mm. half of their schedule, there's Atlanta, Carolina. Like I'm not so they'll beat New Orleans. I'm not worried about New Orleans either. Like this is they can go nine and eight. I, mm. I believe that they can do that. Okay. I like it. Uh, you got to run, Jarrett. So let's put it. Honestly, at, here if we, oh, we okay. can do Browns real quick. I'm not. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, we'll end on the Cleveland Browns, who I think we could all agree uh, that this is just. I don't see how this is not just a lost year for them. I don't see how they get out of this. How they win a bunch of like Jacoby Brissett might be fine, but even without Jacoby Brissett, there's a lot of holes in this roster. I don't feel great about both sides of the ball here. I think it's weird that uh, Kareem Hunt asked for a trade and was, uh, that request was denied this week. Yeah, what the, everything's just going weird right now. Yes. I just, obviously the vibes are quite bad there. And uh, free terrible. my guy, uh, free my guy, Josh Dobbs, um, get him out of there. But, of the yes. Uh, the only thing that's pot, like a positive. Yeah, exactly. And Josh Dobbs, great dude. Um, no, we 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 love Josh Dobbs. Really weird quarterback room though. Brissett, Dobbs, Josh Rosen, uh, Namer, Dak. Oh yeah, they did add Rosen, didn't they? They did. Uh, he is well on his way. Uh, this is the part where Schwartz tells me that oh, Rosen no. would be better than Trubisky. 49ers legend. <laughs> um, but I look at this team and I'm just like, I don't, I don't just, I just don't see it. I don't see how they don't finish last in this division this year. What do you think, Evan? I mean. What I will say is the one thing I think if we're going to talk about the Browns that I'm most curious about is is it does seem after this terrible ruling for the game suspension uh, of six games, it does seem like the NFL and Roger Goodell or whoever the powers may be are are gunning for a much heavier sentence. I don't know. If it's a, it seems like we are not going to see him this year. I don't think he plays. I don't think we see him this year either. And I, and I will say if, if they come down and they say, nah, no way uh, he's out for the season period. I do see them cutting Josh Rosen and either hmm. trading for Jimmy Garoppolo or trying to sign him once he gets cut. Interesting. Um, I, I don't see how you can't, if you know that he's going to be gone, Jimmy Garoppolo is a significant up, upgrade over Brissett. I, I just, I, I, I do not. Brissette or hear played. me out. What if you wait to see how the Carolina quarterback situation unfolds and whoever loses the Darnold Baker uh, quarterback battle, but then no, you go and bring Baker back. That's, no, but that's, uh, that's, I was that's doing it. That's the thing though, right? You can't get rid of uh, mm-hmm. Darnold's contract. So yeah, but either way, so, to, to the Browns. I could the forget, Brown- though, the Darnold and Jimmy Haslam or Darnold. I think it was Jimmy Haslam watching Darnold uh, USC tape with his family in, in the rain. Do you remember that picture of them together? And it was like, oh, done deal. Darnold is going to the Browns, number one overall, because he was like had, uh, Jimmy Haslam was like sitting in the crowd with his parents watching Tim Darnold and it didn't happen. So maybe that's how the sense Darnold back. But anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean, I just I overall think that the Browns, have a strong division this year outside of the Steelers. And they're going to not only have to compete in a strong division, they're also going to have to compete in their own little world because they are terrible human beings in that front office doing what they did with Deshaun Watson. And I I just, I believe karma is real in some way, shape or form. And they, they tried to get away with signing and giving a fully guaranteed contract to a known predator. And I just don't see how, like, to your point with, like, all the things that are happening with, like, uh, you know, the the running back situation, requesting trades, yada, yada. Like, I just feel like it's going to be, like, 
a, a continuous like bubbling up. Like it's just going to get worse. Like the people, the vibes are bad. Let's just say that the vibes are bad. And I think they're going to not only be uh, having trouble with other teams, they're going to have trouble in their own organization. Jared, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure we're all tired of talking about Deshaun Watson. I'm tired of talking about Deshaun Watson. Um, but yeah, no, this is a, uh, it's an annoying situation, isn't it? And it's a situation that pisses a lot of people off as it should like six games is a slap on the wrist for a guy who is accused of doing what he's doing, um, or accused of, you know, doing what he did. Um, I do think that there will be the fact that the league appealed Roger Goodell appoints the person who oversees the appeal. Like there's going to be a harsher, um, the indefinite feels like it's coming. I think it's going to definitely does feel like it could be coming. And then it's going to be counteracted where it will be the NFL PA and Sean Watson probably taking this to court. And we'll have to see what happens with the final ruling of that to see if it will be an indefinite suspension. Mm -hmm. Um, So in turn now to Evan's point about Garoppolo, um, cap wise, it makes sense overall money though, to what the, the Browns would be paying. They'll pay less. They're not, Jimmy's not going oh, to any team for 25. Oh, no, no, I get that. It won't be, you know, the 26 million or whatever, but it will still be probably around, what do you think, like the 14 to 16 million dollar range on top of yeah, the fact, 10 to 16. It could be 10. I do. On think top so. of, on top of, you know, their Deshaun Watson's like 45 million dollar signing bonus is fully guaranteed this year. So he's getting that. That would be almost seventy million dollars or whatever tied up into two quarterbacks for the year. So they they would be hitting that in their own personal checkbook, even though it would make sense for the cap. Um, so it'll be interesting to pay attention to if they do go forward with Jacoby Brissett and just use this as a write off year basically, and just wait for Deshaun Watson to be there. Like even that's yeah. just like I don't know, man. Like this could get worse, and we like. You should just throw up. What, you should throw whatever you think might happen with Deshaun Watson out the window at this point. Like yeah, anything is there's possible. There's a report that came out today saying that the rest of the owners around the league are pissed off at how they handled the contract. You know, right. like writing him yeah. off as not having him this year. Like people are angry about this, as they mm-hmm. should be. Like it's not good. Um, so you know, I think that Cleveland, like, there's going to be this black cloud following them around all season. Like it's going to be looming over them. Like it's mm-hmm. undeniable what's happening there. And they can try to ignore it and they can pretend it's not there, but like, it's going to be like staring them down throughout the entirety of 2021. And for, you know what? A lot of people saying that they deserve it. And I'm, I would agree people. Yeah. Especially the, the statements and just the, um, like triggered stuff and everything. Throwing Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry to the wolves, but not being there after all that happened. Like, I don't know, man. That is They're a, just uh, not rootable. And I feel bad for a lot of Browns fans who have waited a long time to have a good Browns team. And a lot of players, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, a talented roster full of genuinely good dudes. There's no – that's the, the biggest thing is, like, Cleveland fans, there's no winning it. Mm-hmm. Because every game that they win with Deshaun Watson will taste bad. Yeah. Every single one. And even if they win a Super Bowl, it'll taste bad. If they win a Super Bowl, it'll be collectively the entire world rooting against them. Right. And fans will feel dirty. And so that's to me like, you know, like to bring some light into this in the 49ers world that I am. I That's why I do see Jimmy Garoppolo as like the only saving grace, not because of that organization. But if you're Jimmy, that. do you want to walk into that? But So this is my point. 
to for a for a fan base that that doesn't deserve this and for players on that team that don't deserve this jimmy the guy that is nothing but professional that is always a team first guy a leader if he can come in and salvage one year to give the fans something to root for and the players something to play for he comes in, he plays well enough to, he gets his own contract. I think that's the best case scenario. Do I hmm. want the Browns organization to win? No. But if Jimmy were to come in and be this, this kind of thing that could help the players who don't deserve to play in the, those circumstances and the fans, like, I think that's a win. I think that that gives fans something they, I think they deserve. I mean, they brought back Garrett and Clowney. Like, it's just the edge. You look at, like, Jarrett, you talked about it. There's so much talent on this defense, like, yeah. up and down this defense. I have a big question, though, with their receiver room. I, I Like, Anthony Schwartz is just a never healthy guy. Super speedy, like a good theoretical guy. But, like, I look at this receiver room. I don't, like, this is, Kareem Hunt wants out. I just think, I look at this and I'm like, they are putting so much pressure on Nick Chubb in 2022 that if he has any kind of down year, they're in really, really hot water, right? Like when you look at this, mm-hmm. they're counting on like David Bell to help them right out of the gate. Like this is suddenly a huge weakness. Like Amari Cooper is not the Amari Cooper of old. And I think Browns fans are going to see that this year. Like I don't like, they have, I think one of the worst, we talk about the Ravens wide receiver room. I think the Browns have a pretty bad one at this point. Now, and at the very least, a very unproven one with Peoples Jones and Bell and company. Like, I don't, if I'm a Browns fan, I, I wouldn't even felt good if Watson's playing with this group, right? Yeah, I mean, behind Amari Cooper, it's very, very, but also, very thin. I mean, having Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb is, is, that is something. That is definitely something. Yeah, like I would say, a lot Amari of teams Cooper don't and have Chubb that. over, you know, Rashad Bateman and J.K. Dobbins. Exactly. Hmm. So it's not, it's definitely not. I think it's something. closer than people might think, though. Yeah. JK's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be really good this year. If he's healthy, he's JK. He's, he's fine. Maybe I think JK good. Dobbins will be exactly what he he normally is. And I think it's a, a little bit of a who is that receiver um, with everyone's breakout receiver this year that they're like, oh, he's really going to. Kyle Pitts. Out. No, dog. Drake <laughs> London. Brian Edwards. No, he's like a third string. He's like a third string receiver. That is, I can't even think of it right now. Because it, oh, Kadarius Tony. Nah, nah. He was. Nah. I mean, that guy got drafted the first round. It was like once again, it was like a third string receiver for. I can't even think. It was like an East Coast team. Hmm. I'm not I, sure. I don't know why it was like their sneaky breakout. Blah blah blah. I'm like J.K. Dobbins is that. Gabe was, Davis. Oh, I think it was Gabriel, Gabriel Davis. Davis. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was him. Good call. There we go. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like Gabriel Davis and J.K. Dobbins are the same thing. There's a bunch of people that are like, what? No, and they're going to do really just about what they did last year. Uh, Jarrett, we'll end on this. We're going to go one through four, and then we'll hop off here. So how, how do you see the AFC North ultimately finishing this year? Uh, Bengals four. winning at 11 and 6. Ravens okay. as the final wild card spot, 9 and 8. Steelers, 9 and 8. Cleveland, Eight and nine, seven and ten. I'm kind of in the middle on that. I think I gave them like one extra win just because just assuming Deshaun will be back after six. This is before the appeal happens. So yeah. I had Browns eight and nine. So competitive division, Bengals winning it, Ravens being a playoff team as a seven seed. Okay. What about you, Evan? Um, I mean, I think the the Bengals have a legitimate shot at winning 13 games this year. Uh their schedule's tough. So I will say somewhere in the eleven to thirteen range. Um they can, they can do some damage. Uh, I would say from there, the Ravens are interesting, right? Because they've we've seen them win a lot of games. We've seen you know so, but I'm going to say closer to maybe like that 11 range. Um, 
the Steelers, if they go over 500, I'm going to be very surprised, but I'll say eight wins. Um, the Browns, it's, it's impossible. Anyone wants to like, like, you know, suggest they have an idea of how many wins the Browns are going to, they're out of their mind. It's a million variables. Who's the quarterback, you know, like who knows? I would say the Browns could win anywhere from like five wins to like, maybe like nine or 10. If there's someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, but I like, even, even then it's hard because he's coming in late. I think realistically you're looking at like six to seven wins. It's going to be a tough season all around for that team. We're pretty close. Like I will say mine is I'm saying Ravens one. I think the Ravens go 11 and six. I think Ravens win the division. Uh, Bengals right behind them at 10 and seven. I got Steelers at nine and eight. And then I got the Browns at four and 13. I think the Browns are awful. I think they lose a bunch of football games. I think Deshaun Watson doesn't play the whole year. And I think it is the most annoying thing though. If like it comes out that, okay, Deshaun is spent it indefinitely. Like he doesn't necessarily get to come back next year. The Browns just like fall into like Bryce Young or somebody, and he turns out to be good. Do they have yeah. their first round pick next year? Oh, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. By the way, what do you do in that situation if you have uh, the number? Let's say you have. Yeah, the that would be a headache in itself, wouldn't it? You just have to trade that for multiple first round picks, I guess. No, you're taking the quarterback with the uncertainty at that point. If you're at that point, like no, you're. What if Deshaun Watson gets six games? I don't think that's happening. I think that's out the door. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's complicated. But again, guess what? Cleveland, you did this to yourself. Like, you that is ultimately what happened here. You did this to yourself. So I just I don't feel bad. I feel bad for the fans. I don't feel bad for the organization. Uh, but they did send their first round pick in 2023 to the right. uh, okay. Texans and that. So they don't even have it. Sure. Um, Jarrett, what can the good folks check out from you? Podcast front, writing front, everything this week. Oh, yeah. Stuff on 33rd team. Um, interviews coming for Sports Illustrated USA Today. Um, all that will be tweeted out. Uh, at Jay Bailey NFL is where you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, um, Pump Fake Pop will come later this week, too. Uh, no notes. Trying to get that all set. And once football season comes in, like, yeah, that kind of takes a little bit of a backseat, but trying to do some stuff in no notes, too. So follow all that at Jay Bailey NFL on Twitter. There you go. There you go. I- Evan, what about you, man? Uh, well, tonight, so long past when this comes out, I'll be on uh, uh, the game, 95.7 games, oh. uh, the game over in San Francisco. Yes, sir. Uh, which is dope. I love doing radio. But no, I just found out that the 49ers Hub website uh, didn't like get re-whatever, and uh, the domain got stolen. No. What? Yeah, which I don't really care because like people are only clicking from Twitter anyways. Uh, but so I'm, I'm trying to I'm, we're working on doing a full refresh, new like logo, new everything. But so, yeah, follow the 49ers hub on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Evan Swords. Got the OG account back. Shout out to Jarrett and his millions of projects that he's working on. And same with Chase. Never not working. Congratulations mm-hmm. to both you guys. We grind That's hard. Cool. We respect it. Uh, we're all grinding. Evan, good luck on the radio tonight. Uh don't say boner. I don't think you're allowed to say that on the. Yeah, maybe. Boner. Yeah, don't say don't say boner on ninety five seven. <laughs> All right, ninety five seven. The boner. <laughs> ah, that's perfect. Evan, Jarrett, thank you as always. I will talk to y'all very soon. All right, All right, take bye. care, guys. Hello, welcome back to the Chase Mouse Podcast, taping this on a Monday evening. The Denver Broncos are weeks away from beginning 
the Russell Wilson era and to get a better feel on what's going on in Denver Bronco camp and where the team is headed this year. We've got someone from DMVR Sports, a very, very good website that you should go visit if you have not already. There's uh, great ones in Denver. You got the one in Arizona, a lot of, lot of great stuff. Um, and I hope they just continue to pop up everywhere because local coverage is very good. And I like reading smart local analysis from people who are actually in the building. Um, with all that being said, we've got... A first timer. I said I was going to do his last name, but I'm going to do RK because I got terrified while I was uh, doing this intro. Ryan, good good evening, sir. How are you? Good. I, I think you're better off. You're better off uh, just just skipping it. That's, that's why I go with RK. It's much easier for everyone. Well, I am excited to talk with you, man, because you cover the Denver Broncos, and the Broncos are in such an interesting time. A lot has been made about just this division that it's the best division in football. And that's probably going to be the case this year. When you look top to bottom, Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, the worst team in this division is probably the best team in the NFC East if they play an NFC (laughs) schedule. Like that's a real possibility here. But something that went under the radar that just, I wonder from your perspective and what you thought of where this team is going and his role in the team, Patrick going down for the year, I feel like is one of those things that nationally people might overlook um, because it seems like there's a huge disconnect between the national Jerry Judy uh, expectations and what uh, Denver Bronco fans have seen to this point and expect from Jerry Judy. Patrick was the one who was like, oh, this is with Russell Wilson here. He is best suited to have a big time year and really break out in this offense and what Russ tries to do. How big of a loss is is it for the Broncos and Russ to not have Patrick for the whole season? Yeah, it's one of those ones that you just have to like, there's a couple different ways you can look at it. And the first one is something we've been talking about since mid off season, which is like this, we, we keep saying this receiver group should be good. Right. Um, but there's a lot of pressure on certain guys, Cortland Sutton, you know, pro bowler in 2019, he tears his ACL in 2020 and all of a sudden you know, 2021 doesn't look quite the same. So it's like there's pressure on court to be good. And there's pressure on Tim to, or, or sorry, on Jerry to break out because we've yet to see him live up to the hype of that 15th overall pick. And so it's like Tim Patrick was kind of the one that was just like, you can count on him. And you know what he is. And you obviously expect him to take a jump with Russell Wilson. And when you take him out of the fold, it doesn't, it's not enough to like make me panic about the group, but it puts a lot more pressure on Cortland Sutton to go back to who he was before the injury. It puts a ton of pressure on Jerry Judy to prove that he's not a bust. I think you're right about the disconnect there. Like everyone loves Jerry Judy because he's that big name. He comes out of Alabama. He's a first round pick. He has the sick routes, you know, all over Instagram in the off season. And it hasn't shown yet. And I think a lot of people in Denver would say he's closer at this point to being a bust than he is to being a hit. With that being said, he's had horrible quarterback play around him and you do expect him to make that jump, but there's a lot of pressure there. Then it's like you have KJ Hamler, who's a second round pick, who is so much speed and could be so awesome if he was ever healthy. Now there's pressure on him to stay healthy. Obviously that's not something that he can necessarily control, but it's one of those things that just puts pressure on everyone else. And I think there, you know, but now they're one injury away from the wide receiver room being kind of like a panic scenario. How much does it change what they'll probably do and prioritize? Who stands to benefit the most in this offense with Tim Patrick not being uh, available for the full season? Who Who is it? 
I think it's going to be Cortland Sutton. Um, hmm. Obviously, Russ likes to give big-bodied receivers a chance. And like the Broncos just tweeted out a video of a, of a, of a play that we all saw today at practice, hmm. um, and it's it's been a theme. It's like in big scenarios when there's pressure coming from the defense, Russ just says, "Screw it, let me give my guy a chance down the field." Hmm. Um, and today it was Cortland. He just threw it up for him. Cortland jumps over Ronald Darby, makes an awesome catch, slams into the ground, and it's just like. The unfortunate thing is you would have had two options for the matchup. Like he looks over there today and he sees that Darby's on him and not certain. And he's like, okay, well, that's my guy. I'm going, I'm going to Cortland Sutton. And I think you're going to see that a lot during the season. Um, and, and it's something that he just, you know, you saw with DK Metcalf in Seattle. He likes to give big bodied receivers a chance. He had two guys. Now he has one. I think you're going to see Cortland get a lot more focus. When you look at the tape the last couple of years and you mentioned the bad quarterback play for Jerry duty, but like, game in game out ryan like what was the big issue what has been holding him back because the talent's been there has it been drops has it been route running has it been just he just hasn't gotten acclimated uh to the system has it just been bad coordinators like what what do you think has actually been the biggest reason as to why jerry judy is not a star in in denver I mean, I think the biggest thing is the quarterbacks, uh, mm. but that would that's that that would be completely absolving him of any blame, and I don't think that's fair. Like his rookie season could have been huge if he caught the ball. He led the league in drops that year, um, some really big ones and big moments, and you know that was really disappointing. Um, and then his his second year, I think the big thing was his injury. Like in the first game, people don't realize that he's got 90 yards receiving in the first half on like six or seven catches like he was ready to go off on the Giants Mm -hmm. in week one last year he gets the high ankle sprain and obviously you know we we know this talking about anytime a guy gets a high ankle sprain like any of them will tell you your your ankle is not the same until you rest for like two straight months Um, so he was never the same after that but I think focus and maturity has been an issue for him Um, and I think you know you see that a little bit with the drops like he's Sometimes, I don't know, like uh, just a little too nonchalant with it. Like it's so easy for him to get open. That is never the issue. And if you look, I think PFF said the Broncos receivers got like the second most separation of any receiving group last Hmm. year. And like that's a lot of Jerry Judy. Uh, It's just finishing plays, um, you know, being willing to take contact, not short arming balls. Um, And I think that, you know, some of the the coaches over the past couple of years would just tell you like he – his attitude is not where you want it for a guy who still has a lot to prove. So I think like Russell Wilson coming in and taking him under his wing a little bit could be huge for him. Just understanding like, Hey man, you haven't done anything yet. Like you are going to be my guy, but I need you to be, uh, you know, coaches talk about, right? Like you've got 10% of the team who wants to be leaders, 10% of the team that wants to bring the team the other way. All those guys in the middle are just eligible to be taken one way or the other. Obviously Russ comes in, he's going to be a big influence. Like he's trying to get Jerry to be like, I need you to be in that top 10% that's leading the team. That's interesting. And when you look at this uh, rotation group, so it's not like you said, it losing Patrick is not a doomsday scenario. Now losing somebody else of this group, like if Handler's not healthy, that is maybe when, but then again, you did take a slot guy in the fifth round this year. I mean, you don't want to throw him out uh, in this particular situation uh, if you can avoid it in Montreal, Washington. But you also have a name when you were talking about like Russ liking bigger dudes and he wants to have go up and get at balls. Like this guy did nothing last year, but me being in the South and being a Tennessee guy and watching a lot of SEC games, 
let me tell you, Seth Williams is a the definition of the big receiver that go up and get it, the goal line fade kind of guy. Like Seth Williams, I mean, he had a really big catch in that uh, Auburn uh, Oregon game a couple years ago, and that was that the just the the thesis statement on the go up and just get something from Bo Nix, who's just running around throwing it up in the air and hope uh, hoping for a prayer. I'm curious, do you think that he's someone that people should keep an eye on that Russ might trust and might like a lot? Has Seth Williams doing anything in camp? What has he been been like to this point? Yeah, it's a good question because as soon as Tim went down, you know, my first thought was to go look at free agents. And it's like, is there anyone out there that's that big bodied receiver that mm. can fit this role? And there just isn't. Like Julio. The Falcons got know. him all they they gobbled them all up. Like Arthur Smith is over here. He's yeah. like, I want you gotta be like six seven, six eight, Brian Edwards, whoever. Like we're bringing them all in and we're just gonna make this the biggest wide receiver uh, group of all time. That's for whatever reason the Falcons wanna do that. Right. And then obviously the Bucks, you know, they got Mike yeah. Evans and they went and got Julio. And if that would have happened maybe like a week earlier, the Patrick injury, then maybe you're saying like Broncos should go get Julio to come fill that role. Um, and, but there was just no one like there's no big body receivers out there. So then you go back and you're like, OK, well, this is why they drafted Seth Williams. Like, is he up mm-hmm. to the challenge? And it kind of looks like they're tinkering with the idea of letting him play a little bit of that role. But he's just been really inconsistent um, mm-hmm. catching the ball, um, you know, just getting himself open, making those plays to where it doesn't feel like he, he has the trust of the coaching staff first. I think you kind of have to earn their trust first, and then you can go and try and earn Russ's trust. Mm. Um, but he, I think he stands to make the team now um, that Russ <clears> – or sorry, that Patrick went down. He's got a long ways to go, though, before I see him like contributing uh, on Sundays. Um, with Russ now in the building, what has been – the biggest question that you've thought about with Russell Wilson in terms of what can be done this year with this offense, with Hackett, what do you think is the biggest thing you're most curious about once the games actually start with him? Hmm. That's a good question. I think the biggest thing I'm curious about with the combination of Russ and Hackett is like, how much are they going to run the ball? Because Hmm. one of the things that, you know, comes out of, uh, of people, who love Russ and didn't like what happened, what went down in Seattle is, Hey, they just didn't let Russ cook enough, you know, and the year that they let him cook, it's 40 touchdowns and all this stuff. Um, and I am of the belief that like Nathaniel Hackett is here to make Russell Wilson happy. Like mm-hmm. that's not why he was hired, but it's, you know, he's like so much for lack of a better term, just like about vibes. Like he just, he makes everyone happy. He makes practice a good time. And, there is a big part of me that's like, they're just going to, he's going to throw the ball. Like they're going to go out there and throw it 30 times a game and, you know, really let it fly. But then you come back to the fact it's like, okay, they have Javante Williams. They have Melvin Gordon. Um, this is, you know, based out of the West coast offense, which likes to run the ball a lot. Like h- how far down the road are they going to go of just letting Russ be Russ? Uh, and how much are they going to try to keep this offense balanced? And I think the answer to that question and how successfully they do one or the other will be, you know, what, what determines how good this offense can be. If they can run the ball well and Javante Williams can, you know, make the transition to this zone running scheme and, and become the guy that I think a lot of people think he can be and Melvin Gordon can, can complement that well. And then Russ can just get off that play action and just let it fly and hit big deep balls all day. Then I think this offense can be great. Conversely, if they want to get out in the shotgun more than we're used to in the West coast offense and like, just let Russ sling it around. I think that can be, that can be really successful too. But I think the answer to that question of how much are they really going to let Russ cook? Like, did he 
you know, not necessarily negotiate it, but when, when he was, you know, deciding whether or not he wanted to waive his no trade, like, is that something he said? Like, hey, I want this to be an offense focused around me. I think that's going to be a, a really interesting question to find out the answer to this year. That's interesting. And I always just feel like it has to be a game by game basis, right? It has to be the context of the game. It has to be how the game's going. And I don't know. I think there was probably a lot more overblown about how much Seattle was running the football. I think it was more about how much they are investing in the running back position where it's like Rashad Penny in the first round. We're paying this guy. We're pay- like we're so we're just putting so many important resources into the running back position when that's just not where we're going anymore. Like Saquon might be the last uh, running back taken that high in our lifetime. Like that might just be it. And the Seahawks were kind of the last adopters of that. But in terms of actually just like the Packers for the best team in the NFC this past year, where Hackett came from, and that is a run first identity. They take AJ Dillon pretty early on a couple years ago. They still do a lot through Aaron Jones, and they're more than happy to do that. I mean, you look at the Bills, who might be the best team in the AFC this year. They have three guys that they are very comfortable with, with Moss, with Singletary, and with Cook. They uh, high draft resource with him. I think it's going to be one of those things where you just want to have as many options as possible. And I, I think Russ and any other quarterback will understand that like, hey, we want to let you cook and all that kind of stuff, but we have to be able to do different things. We have, If the game calls for us to be able to hold on to this lead, we've got to have the dudes, the horses to be able to do that. Or if we're going in we're like, hey, the, the past, we, we just, we're going in the film and it's like Thursday and we're like, hey, we're not going to be able to protect you. Like this is a week where it's just, it's not going to happen. You're not going to have the time. We don't have the bodies up front. Like uh, whoever bowls is hurt and we're not doing that. You're not cooking this week, man. Like it's yep. just, it's not a thing. I think it's just there's so much more nuance and context to the whole let Russ cook thing that I'm I just I wouldn't worry about it if I was a Broncos fan. Yeah, I, I think you make good points there. And that's one of those things that gets lost in the offseason chatter is like how much things change game to game because you're yeah. only thinking big picture and you're not circling, you know, Seahawks week one. Like, what does the mm. game plan look like quite yet? Um, but I do think <clears throat> it's going to be interesting to see like you mentioned Hackett being in green Bay, like that, you know, that the two years he's there is back to back MVPs for Aaron Rodgers. Like, is that mm-hmm. what, is that what this offense is going to look like? Is like, is Russ going to be able to put up, you know, he's never gotten an MVP vote in his career. Like, is this the year that he gets the ability in the offense to put up MVP type numbers? And the fun part is he only has to compete against three other quarterbacks who are also going to be in that conversation. So it should be fun um, in that regard. Who do you think gets more carries? Do you think at the end of the year, if you if you had to guess, do you think it's Williams or Gordon ends up with the most amount of carries? Yeah, Broncos fans hate when I say this, um, but I, I keep coming back to Melvin Gordon. Like mm. it, it was one of the things I talked about when they decided to bring him back uh, after he was on the free agent market for a little while is like, There's a big difference between uh, what fans love and what coaches love. And, like, fans Hmm. love seeing Javante Williams break, you know, huge runs after, like, two broken tackles and stiff-arming guys into the ground. And everyone loves that, right? Hmm. Um, But what doesn't get talked about as much is how many runs he had for one or two yards last year. The difference between that and Melvin Gordon is, like, Melvin Gordon is just four yards a carry. And it's so easy if you're Nathaniel Hackett – to just be like, man, I just know if I give this ball to Melvin on first down, we've got second and six. Um, and I could I give it to Javante and we might you know, be 30 yards down the field, but we also might be second and 10. And I think that consistency, especially switching to this zone scheme, which in training camp so far, Melvin has looked so comfortable in. And he's got such a nice little jump cut when he wants to go back on those cutback runs that I think when all is said and done, it's going to be very close. 
But I think a lot of people thought like, oh, well, when they brought Melvin back, he's just like very clearly the RB2 and he just has to be okay with that. I don't see it that way. I think when all is said and done, the coaches are just going to be a little bit in love with Melvin's ability to just fall forward, you know, take what's there for him and get you and keep you on schedule. Is my dude Max Borg going to make this team? Man, I love him too. Obviously, he's a Colorado guy, uh, so we're all rooting for him. But I don't know. Mike Boone is obviously the third running back on this team, uh, and he's a guy who comes from Minnesota with George Payton when he was there. Um, mm-hmm. They really like him. They're, they're even working him in with the ones. I haven't seen it yet for, for Borgie, but I will say the other day he had like two really great runs on sweeps. He obviously has great hands, runs nice routes. Like He's a guy I would like them to keep around in Denver, even if it's not on the 53 interesting um what do you think now that we've got a little bit of time on Patton? but i want to combine these two what has hackett and Patton gotten right thus far in their denver broncos tenure and what have they gotten wrong in your estimation well the one that george payton was most heavily criticized for yeah. uh, was drafting pat sertan instead of justin fields yeah and, you know, it's funny because, like, I, I was one of those people being like, hey, this team has had a quarterback problem for six years now. Like, roll the dice on a quarterback. But we mm. don't know when there's a bigger plan. You know, he, like, he saw the future, right? He's like, hey, I might have a chance to get Russ, those sort of things. Like, I'm not going to pull the trigger on a quarterback I don't love um, just because I know we need a quarterback. And I, and I always said that, like, don't don't draft a quarterback unless you love them because you're, mm. you know, you have to commit to them for at least two years, probably three to really know. So don't, you know, put yourself in that pigeonhole moment. So that was one he absolutely got right. Like Pastor Tan is a top five corner in the NFL as we're sitting here talking right now. And I think mm. that might even be underselling him a little bit, like by the end of this season, um, he does not get beat in practice. Like I've never seen, I've seen Chris Harrison training camp. I've seen the keep to leave in training camp. Like the way that Pastor Tan is, it's sticky in coverage on every single play is almost mind blowing. Like hmm. he's he's I think he's gonna get so little action this year because they're just gonna teams are just gonna look at him on tape and be like, Okay, we're not going to that side today. Um so that's the thing I think he got most right. Like he stuck to his guns there. He didn't get jumpy about the quarterback position and as much as, you know, people like me were banging the table saying, figure it out, take a quarterback, he took his number one guy on the board and, and I think he's gonna uh, be awesome. Hack it we have, well, we obviously haven't seen him uh, coach on Sundays yet, so there's a lot to be learned there. But I think the biggest thing for him and the reason why he got this job is just how much personality uh, and upbeat like vibes, like I said earlier, he brings to the team. You know, Vic Fangio is a football genius. Like he he obviously has designed an offense or a defense that is being used all over the NFL right now. Like he's really gets football. He didn't really get people. Um, and I think that was his ultimate downfall and what we see a lot of coordinators trying to make that jump um, to being a head coach. And it, it came to a place where like it felt like players felt like they were going to work when they went to practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you play a game for a living, um, you don't want it to be that way. Right. Like these guys have all like dreamed of getting here their whole lives. Like playing football should be fun. Uh, and I think that's the the approach that Nathaniel Hackett has brought, he is such an upbeat guy and he's, he brings so much positive energy every day that you just see it. Like as these guys are walking off the field, they've got smiles on their face and that seems like a small thing, but like over the past two years, that's not something you necessarily saw. Are you at all concerned about what the defense looks like this year in a post Fangio world? No. Um, and I was before 
training camp, honestly. But I really like the way that uh, Ijiro Ivaro is calling that defense. Um, he's bringing a lot more pressure than what we saw with Fangio, which, you know, Fangio was big on Ben don't break. Uh, hmm. and, it, and it really worked, like, in terms of if you just look at the numbers that were put up in games, like they were just giving, you know, 17, 20, 24, whatever, like low numbers on a, on a week-in, week-out basis. But it also made it really hard for them to, like, make big plays and – get those big stops on third and seven or whatever. Like they gave up a lot of game winning drives in the Fangio area era, like several uh, games that ended in losses with a game winning field goal at the end. Like bringing that pressure is something that I think is so important um, when you're facing better quarterbacks is like catching them off guard and getting in there. Now, obviously with Mahomes, it can be a little bit different, Um, but I just, you see it work for this defense against Russell Wilson sometimes in practice where it's just like, okay, you know, it's third down and six, they bring a big blitz. There's no time to get anything off. Um, Also with that certain element, like I I just think he's so good. And then when you add in uh, Justin Simmons being one of the better safeties in the league, like it just makes it so easy on a defensive coordinator to call it out there when you know, like, okay, you don't have to worry about getting beat over the top if Justin's up there and you don't have to worry about whoever Pat's covering. Interesting. Uh, who are you most excited about on defense this year? Out of certain, like, is there a new name? Is it Gregory? Are you just excited to see what he looks like when he gets off pup? Is there, uh, is there a name not mentioned here that you're really I'll excited go, about seeing? I'll go with a little more of a dark horse. It would be nice to see Gregory just out there at all. It's mm-hmm. always worrisome when those guys go on pup, just like how long is it going to take them to get back? How, what are they going to look like when they do? Um, but Jonas Griffith, who hmm. is most likely or basically a, a Sharpie to be the starting inside linebacker next to Josie Jewell is a guy who had like a nine, nine ish RAS coming out of the draft. He was actually uh, traded for last season hmm. during training camp, just cause they were like, we suck at special teams. Like we need some just athletes over here at the linebacker position to just come play special teams for us. And he was brought in for that reason. Then they just get decimated by injuries at the linebacker position last year. Jonas Griffith starts playing at the end of the season and everyone's like, Whoa, this guy's everywhere. Like he's making plays. He's fat. He can jump. Uh, and he's just been from day one of camp, like starting inside linebacker next to Josie. And I think he is that guy that's just like, if he reaches anywhere near his potential this year and, and, you know, finds his footing in the NFL, it could be the difference between this defense being good and this defense being elite. Uh, and so he, he, he excites me a lot. Just even if you just look at him, he's just like a, like a statue of a linebacker. Which slate of games do you think will tell us the most about how this Broncos season is going to go this year? Is there a stretch of games this fall that you already have circled where you're like, this is, this is the most important stretch of the Broncos season. This will define where this goes. Yeah. I mean, it's after the bye week I'm pulling it up right now just to make sure I get it right. Um, but they go to uh, London like, mm. to face the Jaguars October 30th. Then they get their bye week. And after that uh, it goes Titans, Raiders, Panthers, Ravens, Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams, Chiefs, Chargers. Um, So, you know, you have a couple, like, easier games. You get the Panthers in there. Um, I guess that's really the only one that you look at unless you get those, you know, the Cliff Kingsbury Cardinals after they fall off the cliff. Um, But that to me is just like, okay, so everything leading up to that is just preparing you for that stretch to end the season. Um, they're probably going to have, you know, a good few wins under their belt. Like they start with the Seahawks and Texans. Um, you know, they have 
the Jets and the Jags first half of the season. And then after that, they just enter an absolute gauntlet. Um, and really, you know, that ending stretch going Rams, Chiefs, Chargers, you know, you could go into that stretch out of the playoffs and make your way in, or you could go into that stretch in the playoffs and make your way out in those last three games. So it is a, uh, it's interesting because they play a last place schedule. You know, they were, they were last place in the division last year and it doesn't feel like it when you look at this thing, but it's just because of, of how good those teams in the division are like getting six games against the chiefs chargers and Raiders is just, it will make any, uh, any schedule look difficult. Well, what's your ultimate uh, feel, Ryan? What do you think ultimately happens here? Do you think this team wins the division? Do you think this is a uh, team that's in the top three seeds? Are we looking at a potential Super Bowl run right out of the gate here? Where do you think they ultimately, where's the, the right expectation for the Broncos? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, when you look at Russ uh, coming to Denver, I kind of look at it as like a six-ish year window. There's people around here who mm. think it's more than that, but I think that's really where you're at. So like, it's different than when Peyton came because when Peyton mm. came, it was like, you got four years. You better start winning right away. I don't think it's that the man won. Yes. Yes. Um, that being said, the last two Super Bowl champions are great quarterbacks who went to a, a new team for the first year, right? It's Tom Brady mm. and Matt Stafford in their first year. So like that stays in the back of your head. I was like, oh, maybe it can possible. be done. Right. It can be done. That being said, I think this team is like a wild card team. Um, mm. the division is going to come down to a bounce here or there, in my opinion, like you're going to have a team in fourth that could have been in first with, you know, a quarter of the season left. And, um, I think it's even predicting it as kind of guesswork, but I think that there's going to be three teams in the AFC West that make the playoffs. Uh, and I think the Broncos will be one of them. And, and that, to me, the goal is like, make it to the playoffs and win one game. And I think if, if, if they do that, no one will be able to say that this season wasn't a success. It's interesting. I, it, we all like to believe it's a lot cleaner, like uh, that all four teams have a really good year. They're a bounce away or anything like that. Like my gut just tells me one of these teams just has the season from hell. Like one of these teams is like three and 14. I don't know who it is, but I think one of these teams is going to, it might just be injuries that decimates them because yeah. injuries are going to start hitting some of these teams. But like the idea that <laughs> three teams in the AFC West win 10 plus games and then we have the loser is it like nine or eight just I don't that's too clean like that's just yeah. I, I don't see that we just don't see that across the board teams they're the it's just you go year over year and I'm like where is the division that's that's happened like you just don't see that ever it's it's a really good point and you know I talked about um football geniuses that don't really understand people very well yeah. and so we're crossing our fingers here that Josh McDaniels shows that side again uh, over there in Vegas like that was his big problem in Denver is like talk to players that played with him and they were like dude I've never been more prepared for a football game in my life than when I played for that guy hmm. but everyone hated him like he was just such an a-hole that it's just like the team wasn't inspired to play for him despite knowing exactly what the other team was going to do that week that's wild and that's gotta be so frustrating if you're josh like you're the ultimate coach like you you've prepared these guys perfectly and they just don't like you so they just that's wild yeah um i bet you there's all kinds of stories from the josh mcdaniels era and oh yeah uh, best one i've heard is that uh he went around the room one day i think the powerball we'll just say it was at like 500 Uh or whatever he goes around the room with his coaches in his coaches meeting and says if you won the powerball would you be here at work tomorrow and like all of these guys are saying no, just lying, you know, because they know they know and uh, what he's going to do. And finally, he gets around to like an older coach who's, you know, been there forever and whatever. And the coach is like, no, 
Like I would finally get to spend some time with my family. I'd go on vacation. I'd do this. I'd do that. I'd retire. And Josh just like blew a gasket and was like, I should fire you right now. Like, how dare you say that? Like, if you're like that, then you, sh- you don't even belong here. Like you're only here for the money. Then like, it just like lost his mind and like just completely lost that coach from there on out. That's wild. Yeah. Also not the least bit surprised. I just <laughs> the hours and the intensity and the competition, man. I none of that. No, you, you could tell me a coach gets fired up and does any kind of thing. Like it, nothing would really surprise <laughs> me at this point. Um, a lot of pressure, man, winning the NFL, winning Super Bowls and everything else. You paid a lot of money, a lot of, a lot of expectations and a lot of stress, uh, a sure. lot of 20 hour days. <laughs> so uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, Ryan, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at DNVR sports this week? Yeah, I mean, big thing for us is, uh, is the DNVR Broncos podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. That's every single day. We're recapping training camp around 3 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, we're live on YouTube, DNVR. Um, like I said, you can just type in Broncos to any podcast, uh, wherever you get them, and, it'll, and we'll pop up as the first one, DNVR Broncos podcast. So uh, check that out from us. And uh, then I guess if you're in Denver, we've got a tailgate uh, on Saturday before the uh, the Cowboys game. We, uh, we had tailgates last season. We've got an awesome spot. Uh, where we where we host our tailgates, we got a DJ, we got a you know a food truck, all you can eat, all you can drink beers. Uh, so we we have a good time before the games. There you go, man. That's a that's a good time. It's a good time. Well, thank you so much for making the time, Ryan. This was a lot of fun, and uh, good luck this season. And we'll check back in again soon. All right, appreciate you having me on, man. All right, good morning and welcome back to the Chase Most Podcast, taping this on a Wednesday morning. Head football coach at Parkview High School back in the home area, Lilburn, Georgia. Coach Eric Godfrey is here. Coach, good morning, sir. How are you? Yes, good morning. Uh, doing really well. So we, we started full pad practice, so life is good for a football coach. <laughs> How did that did you see Robert Sala talk about uh the the uh the Jets head coach talking about the the new helmets and the new protections on top? I, what is the actual term for the new Okay, uh, gotcha. And and I didn't see it. Um, uh, my guess is oh you know it's a Guardian. I know it's NFL. The Guardian, yes, Guardians. that's yeah. the name. Yeah. Because we've been using Guardians for a while now. Our kids uh, and actually you know the originator of the Guardians is a Parkview grad. Is he really? Uh, yeah, they're made out of Norcross and uh, I want to say 8081 grad somewhere in there. Uh, so yes, small world. RB people making it happen. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, we got party people making guardian helmets, and we got the Brookwood guy making. What was he, the CEO or whatever, who was donating? Uh, what was it? I, yes, because uh, he donated at the uh, uh, Airbnb. That's what it was. Yes. yes. Yep. Just Gwinnett County. We just uh, Airbnb guardian helmets. Uh, That's just, right. That's right. The Super Bowl commercial with the Brook guy had a Brookwood shirt on. Yes. Uh, yes, and uh, that was unfortunate. That's right. I know, yeah. So, so Parkview's moving back. Uh, I can't remember mm. one of the uh, – there's a Parkview grad that does some kind of uh, advertising commercial for one big company, and they, mm. they do some Parkview stuff out there. So There you go. <laughs> and then we we're got Hey, and we're very pro Parby on this podcast. People from that's right. <laughs> um, well, that's interesting. Well, the reason I brought that up is because like kids are now and like Tennessee obviously uses them all the time, and this is like a common thing is you use them before putting on, uh, just not using the Guardian and kind of getting reacclimated. And it's just another degree of safetyness. But his concern was that like when you take them off, you're not you might hit harder because you're not as used to like you feel different, so the players might go a little bit too hard when it comes off. Do you think that's a thing with right. the extra protection? I- yeah, I don't know, because we used them 
Like so, when kind of first came out, uh, mm. like I said, probably three or four years. And what I loved about them was, uh, and, and honestly, not even so much the concussion stuff versus mm. the the hands, the hips, the knees, mm. the elbows. You know, all the pointy bones and the hard part that you know, when whenever a helmet hits it, it gets bruised and it hurts and all that kind of stuff. And then wearing the guardians, it, it really eliminates almost all of that soft tissue. Uh, hmm. the bumps and bruises that, that happens with a helmet when a helmet makes yeah. contact with the, with those things. Uh, so I thought it was great in that manner. Uh, it was kind of a shocking at first when we wore them because because practice is not as loud. Yeah, um, it is. It's a lot more quiet. Like I said, when you hit, just you know, taking that example, you know, when you hit people, it's it's not as loud. So, so I ha- I've never thought of, well, guy, you take them off now, you can hit harder. I, yeah, it's louder. Um, and uh, when you take them off, so I've, I've never had that. I've never thought about that before. So honestly, yeah. I, I don't know. If it's true or not true, I don't know. I don't exactly. Know. Yeah, I just I thought it was interesting of just thinking about that of like if guys get conditioned and they don't think because they're just hitting with that and they just uh, and they forget. Oh right, helmet's going to be a lot heavier of a hit, and you're you're going right. to you're going to hit a little bit harder. Uh, yes, when that comes on. So that's interesting. Um, well, how's summer going? Uh, workouts uh, going good and still yes, going yeah, good. Feel good. A great summer. Great. Uh, you know, like I said, it's been really good. We got a most all of our team is back. We have a lot of really good athletes and good players that. Uh, that then they, and they do so much beyond what we ask them, you know, and they're doing extra work and they're getting more in. They just, they just love the game of football. And so it's, it's going to be a fun season for us. Uh, we have had some, one of our top rated athletes is also a phenomenal basketball player. So, uh, you know, so he's been to, you know, several tournaments. He was just in California two weeks ago, you know, and so, you know, so it's, we kind of missed him in some bits, but again, he's a great athlete jumped right back in, you know, our quarterback's a phenomenal baseball player, you know, most likely going to get drafted and, Make some good money that so so he's been out you know doing some baseball turns some major league baseball so we've missed those guys but uh but honestly when you're that athletic and everything you can jump right it back in and and you can roll and, and all of our kids get it too these guys are and when we push other sports we want them playing those sports mm-hmm. and multiple sports all that kind of stuff makes us a better football team and like I said our our players get it you know they're not just sitting at home and slacking you know, they, they are working and you know trying to get better at what they do and so so it'll be an interesting start for us uh, getting back as far as just uh you know meshing all together in the same chemistry and the same uh timing all that kind of stuff but uh we still feel pretty good about it so yes it's kind of an interesting uh dichotomy between colin and dylan right they're kind of on the same track rival schools both right quarterbacks and baseball players do they have a relationship at all uh yeah well they've known each other since since they were young okay they've played on some same travel ball teams they've compete competed against each other the whole time going through so so they absolutely like they've known each other for a long long time and uh so yeah it seems like chase it might be pushing or not chase uh dylan might be pushing more the uh, i guess the the football route ultimately is what it's looking more Mm -hmm. like and and colin looks like he's pushing more the the baseball route ultimately uh but i mean they're both really good at both sports um yeah Yeah. colin has sec and acc offers in football um, I said he's obviously a phenomenal football player too, but um, he's he's got a lot of value to possibly make some money in baseball right now, you know, very very quickly. So um, can't you know can't fault him for that either. And the good thing is with baseball, if, if your baseball stuff doesn't work out, you can always fall back on football. Right. And uh, so so it's pretty neat. And I've seen a lot of college quarterback coaches that I have uh, that have talked with that have come through our office and recruiting college kind of stuff. There's a bunch of them who went to the draft first, spent two or three years minor leagues, didn't work out, and then went back and did college football. I yeah, mean, I, I was shocked at the number of college quarterback coaches that that did that exact route. That's interesting. Um, well, it's also I'm curious. 
I mean, you have the Patrick Mahomes and the guys in the world where they, they learn that part of baseball really does help them and being able to throw in different ways and different angles. And you're just kind of, you're just more fluid, more twitchy when you're playing different sports. Have you noticed that with Colin? How has playing baseball made him a better quarterback? Right. Absolutely. Yes. And just to say, Patrick Mahomes, that's a great uh, uh, side by side scenario right there because mm. he does. He looks very similar to Manny. He's a middle infielder, you know, Colin mm. being a middle infielder. So, when he's, you know, playing football, you'll see the side throw, the arm, you know, just all the different arm angles. And, uh, and it's helped him tremendously because he's accurate with all those different arm angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when a rusher's coming, hands up, and, you know, he can he flips it out there sideways. And, you know, we played North Cornette last year. Their front seven is as good as anybody in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really, really good up front. And we, just, we could not run the ball against them. And you know, we ended up throwing for like 280 yards. But, you know, there was Colin. I mean, he's running for his life back there because they got a great pass. For, they got you know, just a great front seven. and uh, But he's using all these different arm angles to make these great throws. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely say baseball helped him. I, I, I really think seeing it even more now that, you know, how much being a middle infielder helps helps the quarterback. What's the hardest thing uh, for him to get to the next level in terms of being a quarterback? Because he started young. Like, he's been your quarterback for a while now. What are you looking for this year to really get him to the next level? Because you had a young team last year, and he's playing with young guys. Like, how much did that affect his development, too? Yes, yeah. And it really did, especially last year being – honestly, we could not run – especially first, golly, five, six, seven, eight <laughs> games. Uh, we really could not run the ball very well. Yeah. And we were so young up front. You know, starting a freshman and three sophomores – you don't do that in 7A football. Yeah. Um, but it's what we had. And, uh, and of course, they're all going to be it's the same kids this year, but they're all a year mature, right. a year stronger in the weight room, a year of experience. And, and it's going to be a lot different result because of all that. Um, and uh, so, so it was tough last year. Literally, it was a catch. Uh, I got my first read, and I better be ready to run. I better be ready to scramble. I got to move. So so this year, even just watching, you know, practices, that kind of stuff, you know, you know, pass protection being a whole lot better, you know, everything being a lot more consistent across the board. So, so it's going to help him a lot in that manner. And honestly, his biggest growth we have talked about because he has such a strong live arm. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to push the ball downfield, which is great. But a lot of time our checkdowns are open, our checkdowns are open, and our checkdowns are open. So we've really, really pressed out hard with Colin uh, this summer and also just a – Let's throw the check downs. Let's throw the check downs. Let's throw the check downs. So we don't always have to force it downfield. And uh, so he, he he is coming along with that manner as well. Do you have the guys for when you do the check downs and just the yak guys? Do you feel pretty good about your yak guys right now? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I really do. Yeah. We, okay. we got a running back who'll be a junior who's, I mean, he's a, he'll play Division One football somewhere. He's not real okay. tall, but he is thick and can move and competitive and strong. Can he pass uh, block? Uh, yes, yeah, and he'll step up. And okay. pass by. He'll step up and do it all. He wants to be on kickoff team. He wants to do everything. He's just he's okay. a football player. And uh, so, like I said, he does, he, he'll does. he do a great job of getting those yak yards. And, mm. uh, and like I said, literally this summer was a lot of, hey, we got to, you know, working on leaking them out and get them mm. out. And, um, you know, don't, don't sit back there and block nobody. You know, let's, let's get back out and have a check down. And mm. uh, so getting our, our running backs were young last year also. So they weren't very consistent in ever being in check down or sitting in the backfield. So, uh, so we have a lot to a lot to improve on from last season that that, that we have that we're at, way ahead of that we were last year at this time. So um, lots to look forward to. I, I felt really good about our offense. Our offense has a chance to be really dynamic. What's your if you had to like say like what I really really want out of my kind of like, when you're going into a game of like I want it to be seventy thirty, I want it to be sixty forty. What do you want your right. run pass situation to actually be? Yeah, we ultimately we love to be fifty fifty. Okay. And we've had years where, just as you said, we're 70 pass, 30 run, mm-hmm. uh, 60 run, 40 pass. You know, generally we end up somewhere around 60, 40, you know, depending on you know quarterback, depending mm-hmm. on 
receivers, offensive line, running back, and it's been on you know all those kind of scenarios. We usually end up around a 60-40, uh, one way or the other, whether it's 60 mm. pass, 40 run, 60 run, 40 pass. Uh, but our ultimate goal is really to try if, if we – in a perfect world, they were shooting for 50 50. Mm-hmm. And uh, to ultimately, you know, for defenses to have to honor both of them. And, you know, last year they didn't have to honor both. Uh, but this year they're going to have to honor the box and, and the run game. And mm-hmm. so a lot of, uh, you know, running RPOs when you have the run and pass option, a lot, we might have both of them called. Mm-hmm. But depending on what the defense does, determines, you know, whether we're running or passing. So really, yeah. like I said, so we shoot for a 50 50. But if a defense is trying to stop the run, then we're going to pass more. How comfortable is? Oh yeah. Well, how comfortable is Colin in RPO? Does he feel pretty uh, good? Yeah, he does. A, yeah, he, that, that's honestly where LSU and a lot of other quarterback coaches really caught his eye because hmm. his release is so quick. He does a great job of ride, mm. ride, read, pull, and and again, you know, it may, you know, it's almost like he's turning two out there. I mean, mm-hmm. he, can, he has a, just such a quick release. Uh, so so he likes he does do a really good job with that. Interesting. Uh, what position group do you feel most comfortable with right now? Like it's August 3rd and we're taping this. What position group you're like, I don't have to lose any sleep over this. I know we're good here. Right. Yes. Uh, and really it's, it's on the offensive side of the ball. Hmm. Uh, I mean, honestly, our, our offensive line core, I, I, I do feel really good about we, we, hmm. We've still got to get better and we, and we don't have very much depth. So it's, it's kind of scary on that end. Um, and then really our receiving core as well. Hmm. Uh, we, we have, we have a bunch of receivers that can, that can do really good things and can uh, do great things with the football and have just gotten so much better as running routes, all that kind of stuff. Um, I got to feel good about our running backs and quarterback too. So like I said, the offensive, I really do feel good as a whole unit, honestly. And then we got some special places on special pieces on defense, mm. um, but we have yet to put it all together. And that's where are those special pieces some, at uh, in the secondary. We've got some, pretty, okay. yeah, we got some pretty special talent in the secondary. Um, and, we, and we have some good DNs. We have some good linebackers. We just haven't put it all together. Hmm. Are you going to be doing a lot of press man? Or are we doing a lot of zone this year? Uh, what? Well, preferably we'd like to. To it'd be easy just line up and if we could just run man and then yeah. run the house. That that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we sit in a lot of zone and play a lot mm-hmm. of zone because of it, it's hard to run press man and have edge pressure. And, yeah. Uh, you know, people start pushing stretch on you and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we will mix it up a good bit. You become a seed there, and then it's just like, uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta toss that out the window. I'm right, right. Yes, where I'll, exactly, I'll see the yeah. defensive coordinator where he's just like, yeah, that this is not gonna work. This is the, right. Like we're not doing this. Um, but that's interesting. So what? It sounds like you're gonna be doing a lot of eleven personnel on offense too with your playmakers. That pretty you most comfortable in eleven personnel with this group? Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we literally have six to eight receivers. Yeah. That'll get to play. Now we have one very special guy. You know, Mike Matthews, who's yep. He's number ten in his class in the country. Just an overall athlete, and yeah, um, you know he's pretty special. You know he, he won't be coming off the field, uh, and uh, I mean he's 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 like I said, really dynamic. Um, but then like I said, we got a lot of other very good receivers as well. So I have an opportunity to roll with guys and like some good running backs. And uh, like I said, the, the the lack of depth is at, at offensive line and quarterback. That's yeah. Where Where's the like transfer portal when you need it? And that's right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't exist in well, not not in Lilburn, Georgia. We don't want to. No. It's all. Uh, single family homes and yeah. rent is way too high. So yeah, we don't have a transfer portal in Lilburn. <laughs> no. Um, what happened when you go back and you're watching some film a couple months later? Like, what did you see in the Pebble Book play- playoff game that like you did not notice in real time, or like even just leading up that you didn't think the game would go that way? But now that you revisited it, like you saw something different. What did you see? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and honestly, our offense really started clicking. Kind of end of the season, yeah. and then really in that Pebble Brook game, and we we're 
both running and passing. Um, you know, we, we saw the biggest improvement probably in our offensive line last year because the way they started was not mm. good. It was really ugly. And then, uh, you know, finished the year, you know, playing pretty good. And uh, so really offensively, honestly, was, was kind of surprising that how well we were able to run and pass and, and drive the ball. Uh, the, the biggest surprise, honestly, is because because we're fast. I mean, we, mm. we, we do have quick players, but uh, they they outran our tail on their offense. They, of course, they got one guy who's he's, I think he's the fastest kid in the country. Mm. Um, and then dad was an Olympic runner, and you know he's got a lot of division one offers because his speed and, yeah. and it was a different level elite speed. Um, even our kids saying, "Coach, I'm <laughs> trying to catch my." I mean, I get it, you know, mm. but uh, but still, we did we didn't play as good a defense as, as we should have. Um, so I, honestly, I was surprised that, uh, cause again, we're fast and we move yeah. well, but there's a difference in some, some elite speed. And so we got to do a better job, make sure, you know, containing that and taking care of it. Cause we got guys who can make plays on elite speed mm. that they can make plays and make plays, but we got to make sure they're prepared in those situations and can make, and to do those plays. And, uh, so I didn't feel like we were as prepared, uh, on defensively wise for their speed. And that, that was really honestly very shocking. Because uh, hmm. that normally doesn't happen to us. Like I said, they got some guys that can roll. What's the way? Like, so that's interesting. What is the way to just shut down that speed? Like, what is the best way of just really being like, hey, Tyreek Hill, you're not like you're not going long anymore. You're gonna get like five yard outs, and we'll figure out if we can tackle you at that point. But the long stuff's gone because that's what ultimately happened. Is the if you watch the Chiefs two years ago versus last year, it was like everything deep was taken away from him. Even though his right. speed didn't drop off, the speed, but he was taken away in that way. What is the what what can y'all do as a defense to limit that and make it just like nope it's staying in front of us right for sure yeah as far as high school wise a lot of yeah. it is, is tendencies and teaching mm. our kids you know reading and seeing tendencies and first steps and motions and uh, so knowing a lot of that and then also if, if they're a receiver a lot of us bracketing you know if they, if they yeah. got a, a great receiver you can bracket them and basically high low them if you will and so you ultimately do take away the deep ball mm-hmm. uh, whereas you know NFL you know, they give you so many different looks at that's that's their job, you know, our kids mm. going to school seven hours a day and then we get them, you know, for our, you know, short period of time, we yeah. don't have a long time with them like they do NFL. So they can create all kind of, you know, kind of create all kind of mismatches like a Tyreek yeah. Hill, yeah. you know? Um, so, so really on our level, like I said, it's, it's probably easier to defend some of those guys because you won't mm. get as many looks, but at the same time, you don't have, you know, everybody in the NFL is an elite, elite, every person is. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, so what if, you know, you got a mismatch, you got somebody in the field that, uh, you know, doesn't run as well because that's what you got. Um, you know, you got to keep that in mind too and defending and knowing where your strengths and your weaknesses are. And um, and then that's a big part too is, is us knowing, hey, we know we're weak here. So we might have to give up a short, a short flat three and rally and make sure we, you know, tackle. Uh, you know, so that's, kind of, you know, because defenses can't take away everything. Mm-hmm. That's where defenses get in trouble. They try to take everything away and then they take nothing away. Uh, versus just as you said, you know, we can, we can brag, do some things to keep them from going deep and just knowing, hey, guys, we're going to give this underneath thing. They've got to throw and catch, and we got to rally and tackle at that time. Uh, so, you know, last year we really didn't know our strengths and weaknesses uh, overall. Like I said, our kids were so young, they're just still trying to figure out how to play base defense and uh, play good defense against older kids and uh, elite athletes that they're not used to. They're used to seeing only kids their age. Well, now they're two and three years older than you and, uh, you know, stronger, more physical and mature, all that stuff. So, um, like I said, so some stuff as coaches we can definitely do better, and and it's going to help us this year. Even though it's the exact same kids, they're a year more mature, yeah. they're a year faster, they're a year stronger, they're a year you know all of those things, and we've already seen the results of of, of that that maturity, which has been good. 
was it this year that you're play, basically playing no home games or was it last that, year that, that this, this year yes okay that's what i thought yeah. yeah yeah so yeah new turf is uh new turf is coming in this year so right yeah. now we got uh, the big orange jungles of dust bowl yeah it's just a lot of dirt um so that's what they said don't schedule early home games yeah. because in case the turf gets pushed but well, sure enough I think we're the last ones in the county they started on, and it's literally dirt right now. The drainage system's not even in yet. So, uh, but we, they will have it done by the time our first home game because our first home okay. game is so late this year. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so that that is the reason and purpose. And so we're gonna miss the grass. You know, I yeah. love the orange jungle and the grass field. It's just always so beautiful. Our turf is, but I know does that affect how you practice? Uh, yeah. So it, it will. Yeah. Because we will get to practice on the turf field as well. Yeah. So you always have beautiful lines. You always right. have a beautiful field. You know, you always have a good surface. If it rains, practice through it anyway. You yeah. know, the, the surface is still really good. You know, you're not having to slop around and worry about this and being a mud hole. And yeah. Uh, so so it, it will help in that manner for sure. Interesting. Okay. I was wondering about that because I remember seeing that and I was like, is that this past year? Or is that this year? Like, right. I've yeah, seen anything like that where they're just like, hey, yeah. sorry, we're not playing any home games. We're just. Right. Uh, yeah. That's I was wondering if y'all were going to be playing at Burkmar or something. Right. Right. Exactly. That's what we told, we told our kids. Hey, we're just our first. Uh, uh, we got to be first or second in the region. So we're going to have some home playoff games, you know? So yeah. we just got to do well in the region, which. Our region stuff too. <laughs> yeah, the region. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's a tough one. Is it weird though? Newton just being in the region is so strange. Like I right, yes, that, like yeah. that's just not a thing. I don't know. Is that is that that's something you're used to now? Right. Uh, well, because you know, last year was the first year mm-hmm. of us having them in our region. So, right. Uh, so, excuse me. No, no, no. I guess that's all we've had them for two years. Sorry. I was gonna say. I think it started in yeah. the COVID year. We've had them two years. So, mm-hmm. so this will be our third year. So, I guess really going into this year. You're right. So now that they've played at our place, we've played mm. at their place. Um, but last year's the first year we ever played at their place, and we played on yeah. a Saturday. So all of it was new and different, kind of like, uh, this ain't no, it really ain't, you know, Gwinnett County yeah. you know, style. How far is that? Isn't that, that like, what, stuff. 45 minutes? Hour? Uh, well, it's probably, it's probably 35 minutes, so really okay. not too bad. But uh, like I said, it's just uh, we had to play on Saturdays because they share the stadium. and uh, But they got athletes now. They yeah. got ball players, and, uh, you know, they, they're they're good all over the field. There you go. Uh, when you look at the schedule this fall, what what pops to you? What are you most excited about? Is there one stretch of games where you're like, I'm going to learn the most about my team at this point? Like, what what are you most looking forward to? Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I'm looking forward. And we get to play Corky Kell this year, uh, mm. and uh, we're the, the first date that anybody can play in the whole state. Uh, we're going to play on. So it's actually on a Wednesday night. Um, so it's going to be kind of there's a there's a game before us uh, at five thirty, then we play after that game at mm. Johns Creek. Uh, so, and it's televised. And so I'm super excited about that being, we get to be the first game of the season, mm-hmm. right? And all eyes are going to be on us, you know, see what we can produce, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so that'll be fun for us and our players, uh, to be able to, uh, participate in that and be the first game of the season, uh, just kick off the whole season, get everybody talking. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we'll go out and perform well in that. Uh, but then really like you're talking about a stretch. Yeah. We do have a stretch right there. We play, uh, for the non, you know, our whole region schedules, a bear the whole well like who's responsible team. for brookwood grayson back to back to end of the year what, right exactly yeah uh the way we drew i know i guess it's my fault since i i said all right, everybody draw numbers and i had yeah. numbers already spread out so i guess it's my fault um Oof. so yeah so that's gonna be tough but i'm excited our non-region to re-lead into it we got we got a north Gwinnett, and yep. then a st pies and then uh, mill creek mm. that leads us right into our region um, you know, all three teams going to be really good. All three teams show us something a little different. Um, you know, like I said, the, the amazing front seven from North Gwinnett, St. Pius is going to run a triple option at us. Are they really? Uh, yes. Yeah. Totally different. Something totally different for our guys to see. And then, of course, Mill Creek's got a phenomenal team. You know, they got 
you know, two of the best players in the state. And in my yeah. personal opinion, Caleb Downs might be the best player in the country. Wow. I mean, he, he is really, really good in the senior class. I mean, he is a phenomenal football player. So obviously outside um, of Nico, yeah, Maliava. Right, right, right. There we go. Yes. And uh, so like I said, so it's, it's pretty, you know, it's just, you know, it's, they're going to help expose mm. things we need to work on before region. Um, they're going to give us some challenges and really we're going to know exactly where we stand and how much we got to improve on, you know, week to week, week, get leading into region play right there. Did you want to go like, cause I was talking to, I think, is it, I think Brookwood's going to Vegas, right? Is it? Right. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes. So did you want to get in on that? Did you want to go fly to California, play Nico? Were you looking for some out of state games as well? Right. Yeah. yeah. We actually, uh, I guess it was two years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think it was Allen, Texas. Now uh, they said they're looking for a game, so I literally, I jumped on it because we just get these random emails. Was Chad Moore still there? Uh, no, no, I don't think he was at that time. Okay. Uh, but so, I, but it was just it was from a, a different a guy who tried to help set up these games. Yeah. So I literally right. him right away. Hey, we're super interested, but they'd already picked up a game. So, um, but yeah, getting to California, that kind of stuff. We, we need somebody mm. to help uh, fund us get out there. There you uh, go. But I would hey. definitely be interested in and really playing anywhere in the country because it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, again, the problem always is you know funding and how we're going to get. 80 players out there. On I was going to say, just like getting the chaperones, like who, that, that's a lot. Right. Like, yes. Yeah, these know, kids all, all for a couple days. Like, they, they would love it. They, they'd like be going to Vegas them. with these high school kids? Uh, no, yeah. those kids, man? I don't know. Hey, yeah, you parents might have too much fun. I don't know. <laughs> that's a possibility. Possibility. Uh, coach, uh, what uh, can the good folks look out for you this fall? How do they support the park, uh, the Parkview football program? Like, what can they do for the local uh, Georgia listeners today? Awesome. Very, that's a great question. And of course, you know, we talk about the, the Lilburn community and mm -hmm. you know, you know how much you know tight knit we are. Um, and the big thing talking about really community wise is we want our guys to go to these away games. You know, we, we've met mm -hmm. some parents and that kind of stuff. Just uh, with all these away games for our seniors and really for all of our football players to support and get out and, you know, show their faces and be loud for those guys. And we know when we get games at Big Orange Jungle, they're going to rock it and get after it. And uh, so really just those support of those games and being there and supporting these kids. And, um, you know, is the big is the biggest thing that you know we ask from our for our people is to, you know, to show up. Don't say, oh, my gosh, so many away games, another away game. Uh, you know, to show up and be there for these boys. And cause it really is a fun team. Uh, yep. It's a um, you know, we're, we're going to be able to, you know, have some good highlights. And at times, you know, oh, crap, we're taking our licks and, uh, you know, so to make improvements because the teams we're playing are so good. So, yeah, you're going right. to see great football every week. And uh, so, like I said, really it's that support to come out and watch some good football and uh, see what these guys do. Like I said, we got some special kids that will play on Saturdays and hopefully some Sundays. And, and every team we play, yeah, have kids that are going to play on Saturdays and maybe some Sundays. So, so it's, it's a lot of fun to keep up with and do. Yeah, I mean, but that's also not why you go to high school football games. If that's what it is, like if you're looking for to scout, like who's playing on Saturdays like that, you missed the entire point of high school football because the vast majority true. are not playing on Saturdays and Sundays, and that's not what it's so about. True. Yep. Yeah, so true. Very um, true. Coach, thank you so much for making the time. This was a lot of fun, and uh, good luck this season. Yep, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, y'all, that'll do it for the Tuesday August 9th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast. Thank you again to Jarrett, to Evan, to Ryan, to Coach Godfrey for coming on the Tuesday, August 9th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast. And thank you, the listener, for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this very program. We greatly appreciate it. 
if you are an Apple Podcast or Spotify listener, please, please, please make sure before you uh, before you go today, uh, leave this show a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If that is indeed how you checked out the program, it helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow. So make sure you're subscribed as well on your preferred podcast player so you never miss future episodes. This is a daily national sports show with new episodes coming out each and every day here on the podcast. So new episode tomorrow. Watch out for that. All the good stuff. Like and subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.